Hello gamers from around the world. This is Boxenberger, the video game enthusiast from Germany, and I would like to welcome you to today's very, very special episode of the world of gaming. And I say very special because we have a super special guest here today. We have Joe here. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Good to see you again. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you. Long time no see. Long yeah, time long no time. see. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's awesome to have you on the show, and I'm going to give you a proper introduction in a second. But first, I also want to say a great hello to my good friend, Wandering Dutch. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm doing well. Of course, work, home, and then on the show. So I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing what additional questions you've got for Joe as well today. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll dive into that. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna dive into that. And I said it yesterday on your show, uh, dude. We need to to uh, better <laughs> conversations up front uh, with our guests. <laughs> but no, Joe, it's awesome to have you here on on this show. Um, I think, uh, of course, we have certain overlay in the community, but we have also a lot of people here. Uh, that uh, might be on Dutch's show and not on my show, vice versa. So uh, we're going to have a great conversation here with you today. And guys, we're going to have that for approximately 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, after that, Joe has to uh, drop out. And then we are going to have the regular podcast with some awesome topics. Uh, just today, a couple of hours ago, a, a big statement from Satya and Nadella uh, went online um, about where he fired a couple of shots against Sony on the uh, Activision Blizzard acquisition. Then we talk about the Splinter Cell remake news. We're going to talk about the big GTA leaks, uh, the 4080 series, uh, the RTX cards have been revealed. We talk about DRI management, the new handheld from Logitech, and a lot more. But first, we're going to introduce this guy right here properly. Joe. Uh, whenever we have someone for the first time on the show, and you are for the first time on this show, we have met on other shows multiple times, but <laughs> yeah. on this show, it's a first. So we always introduce our guests uh, with a couple of questions just Ooh, to get right. to know you a little bit better Perfect. before we talk about your game. Song of Iron 2 um, recently was announced, and we're going to have a, a deep dive there. But first, I want to introduce you uh, and you as the gamer, the developer. So... I always want to know from our guests when they're on here for the first time, um, where did gaming start for you? What, where, where, where did you start? What system did you start with, and what kind of games did you play? Yeah. Oh man, I go all the way back to some of the early Atari stuff. I think it's probably the first stuff I played: Pitfall and uh, War. When, when you oh. name a game so simply, um, I remember that one fondly still. <laughs> but I think really, I mean, that was always like you know my cousin had one or something, and we would play once in a while over there. Uh, my first one that like kind of really latched me into it, I think, would have been Mega Man X. We finally got an S, and Ooh, Mega Man X one. came, and I, it was one of those like I was finally capable of truly being good at a game and like understanding it and playing it all the way through, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I, I still love that game to this day. I think it just it hit everything so well, and hmm. uh, yeah, that was that was definitely the one that kind of brought me into the into the into the gaming space. Still super young. I don't remember when that came out, but um, <laughs> and then yeah, from then it's been all the classics that everybody loves. You know, the early Zeldas I just played forever, yeah. endlessly, and and all that Same kind here. of stuff. And, yeah, and, um, yeah. 
was a Nintendo person for a while, kind of became an Xbox with with Halo and and college and just the, the classic party, you know, 15 TVs in a in a living oh, room yeah. kind of stuff and just yeah. I mean just fell in love fell in love with that stuff and never Hey, and look at that and then you worked on Halo. Yeah. And I, yep, and I went <laughs> Isn't I that awesome? And, yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Great. So you've you've been uh, so basically all, almost all your life a gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, so what were kind of the some highlight games that you would, would name as your favorite games of all time? Man, yeah, that's a tough one. I think, you know, Ocarina of Time, I think, is, is like mm. an undefeatable classic. Yeah, Obviously, that's on my list, too. It's yeah. been forever since I played it, but I just... I, Man, I I knew every pixel of that game. You know, I I could go anywhere. I knew everything about it. I just loved it. Um, Shadow of the Colossus is one that I always think about. Oh. I think I think there's so much amazing stuff in that game, both gameplay and storytelling and atmosphere and just everything about that game is just so cool. And it it really like it like breathed into me like these experiences that you want games to be a lot more than you actually get. Like the the flying uh, Colossus, you remember you're like yeah. riding the horse alongside it. It's like a train heist thing, yeah. and like you never get to do that really in, in other games at the time. And it was, it was just a, like, such a such an epic set piece that yeah. you just didn't oh, have in just, other games. Yeah, that. Yeah, and then also they gave you like these down times where you're just riding. You're not there's not like just enemies everywhere in the fields. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's just like the atmosphere of that game is just incredible. Um, Spent a lot of time in like Star Wars Galaxies early on. Ooh. That one like always stands out to me. Like not the best game, but as far as just like existing in the Star Wars world, it was like a pretty awesome thing <laughs> for its time. Yeah. And I because of that, mean. I never played WoW because they kind of came out together and I, I went yeah. to the Star Wars. Sa- and... Same here. I played oh, yeah, WoW awesome. like for one month or so. Uh-huh. Uh, I had a one month a subscription and then I... I yeah I, yeah I, just, I played I Star Wars so yeah, yeah yeah it was just so great I just I love it yeah and Excellent. um just stuff like that I mean any anything in that kind of realm Daisy is a big one for me um that also kind of like is exactly what I want in a game in a weird way but I played too many hours I've of never played Daisy I have to admit that it's hard now I mean they, they yeah. when they left the mod and tried to make the standalone they they did not understand why it was good. I think they just destroyed it, and it's just a—it's just not good anymore. That's yeah. sad, but yeah, it is what it hey, is. Blizzard is apparently <laughs> working on a, a Daisy-like game, so who knows yeah. what that will yeah. be? Yeah, one yeah. day I'll make one. It's on my oh, list yeah. of things. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> we'll there you, go. You, you just make it one yeah. of your own, and it's, exactly. it's, it's going to be awesome. I have, to have no doubt. <laughs> so, how did you get into game development? Um, I went to, I was terrible in school and uh, I could draw kind of, kind of a little bit. And so I went to college for um, game art and design because it was sort of the, the most obvious path for me just to, to do more art stuff. And and that was, it wasn't the best school, but I, I got lucky and I found a few people who were good and we were kind of like friendly competitive with each other so we kind of both be working on some animation and hope the teacher thought ours was better than the other guys and (laughs) and it was very i mean it was a very like healthy competition and it kind of just drove us to push ourselves and and be better than the than the school sort of would do otherwise for us and uh it taught us a ton and and leaving that i got lucky and got a job on big buck hunter at the studio that did the arcade game big buck hunter it was a very 
perfect first job. It was, it was, you know, like 10 people were there and just animating deer running all the time. And, uh, and it just sort of got me in the door and I won some competition leaving the, the college. And then that got my attention to someone else. And then eventually they reached out and pulled me into Cryptic Studios, which brought me to, to California. And then it, it was all just, you know, downhill from there, kind of, or uphill, depending on, <laughs> on the phrase, I <laughs> yeah. guess. I would, say, I would say uphill. I would say yeah. uphill. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff here. All yeah. right, guys. Um, we are going to have um, um, ask Joe a lot about uh, Song of Iron and uh, some of the things uh, that uh, led to the first one. And, of course, now uh, what we can expect from the second one. Uh, two things first, though. Um, I want to say a big thank you to uh, our generous friend, uh, Drawn TJ, who sends in the first Super Chat of the day. Uh, he says, uh, hi, guys. Hi to you <laughs> and welcome to everyone in chat. Guys, if you have questions for Joe, drop them in the chat. We see if we can just roll them in here. You guys know the World of Gaming is a, is a podcast from and with the community. So drop your questions and let's see if uh, if Joe can answer them. Um, yeah. And the second thing is, if you want to learn more about um, Song of Iron and everything that Joe does, I have all the links in the description down below. I highly recommend two things. First, go on Steam and wishlist the game. The second one is sign up for the newsletter. You're not going to get spammed. Uh, I can I out for that. It's true. You're not going to get spammed. But you will get a code for the demo of Song of Iron 2. Joe already put out a demo. I played it yesterday. Uh, and it is fantastic. I recorded my playthrough. And I'm just going to let that run. Here in parallel, hang on, and uh, of course I screwed up the overlays again. There we go. Um, <laughs> I will never learn Dutch. I will never learn. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to let that run um, here in par parallel. That's my playthrough of the Song of Iron 2 demo, uh, which I really nice. enjoyed. So highly recommend to sign up for the newsletter. The link is in the description of, of the show um, uh, at songofiron.com. You can definitely... Um, um sign up there yeah. all right um yeah. let us start with the community question here comes in from drawn tj thank you so much for the five dollars he says joe how do i start making a game what do you recommend <laughs> Let's the, start the, the, the biggest question yeah no it's hmm. um man the best the simple advice is to just start i mean i think unreal is amazing that's where i started uh, they give you these templates that, you know, a side scrolling or a first person shooter template. And all you got to do is jump in, start with the template and start changing it to be, you know, more like what you want to make. Um, the Along the way, you're, there's so much to learn in doing it and starting with small little goals, you know, how does a bullet work and, and start Googling that and figuring it out. And that'll teach you the engine, which is the tool you need the most. And then from there, you just start creating whatever you have in your mind and, and go from there. Yeah, good it's, stuff. Um, we've yeah. been talking in the green room a little bit, uh, how far these tools actually have mm -hmm. come. Um, I, oh, I asked Joe, how how was the process of implementing like, uh, DLSS, which is now available in Song 2? And, um, and yeah, basically he said it's more or less turning it on there's a plugin mm -hmm. for it and 
was like when I look at these engines and I always download them and play around a little bit for myself. I also downloaded Unreal 5 uh, just to goof around a little bit. It's amazing how far these tools have oh, yeah, come. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, DLS, I literally just dropped it in a folder and rebuilt it and it was it was ready. So it's, it's cool. They make it's it cool. easy. <laughs> Yeah, great question though, John TJ. Yeah. Great question. Um, yeah, I, Joe, I could give I could give hours of talk about it, really. So it's hard to <laughs> we make a special episode. Yeah. Uh, how to yeah. make a game with yeah. Joe? Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, good stuff. Um, Joe, you launched the first game, and I want to want to start there. How was the the experience? I mean, it was your first uh, solo published game. Mm -hmm. um, you published on Steam, on Xbox consoles. Um, so how how was the experience and what were some lessons that you've learned uh, from that? Yeah, it was um, it was very eye-opening. You know, I think making a game and launching a game are two completely different things. And, uh, you know, the part of the power of the tools is to stand something up really quickly and, and show something in a few months that looks like a, a full game. Uh, it definitely gets harder when you're trying to get to the end and finish and then you have to put all the settings in and all these things and get it onto the platforms and that stuff is where it gets much more difficult um mm -hmm. really easy they've definitely made themselves accessible extremely accessible but um i mean i all that stuff i learned how to do for the first time which is awesome but then more from the from the gameplay side and the and just like making a better game you know, just I've learned a lot about how players play my game and players play in general by seeing how they're responding to what I expect. And uh, so I have a lot of plans for song two of to in terms of like teaching people how to play much more gradually so you get comfortable with the control. And then, then I'll start, you know, asking you to do more and uh, just sort of strike. We did, you know, the song one had the, the burning village where you kind of learn how to play yeah. really quickly. But I sort of just stopped telling you how to do stuff and some things don't come back for uh, 30 minutes or longer. And so you don't necessarily remember how, you know, what to do oh, in that situation. Yeah, yeah. And so there's definitely a, a, a going to be a much bigger push to make people feel more comfortable playing the game. Uh, like you were saying yesterday, you know, you, you felt like the Viking at the end. And yeah. I and I, I, I that journey's great. I just need to I need to more comfortably introduce people to that stuff. And yeah. yeah. And it's just a, it's these little player experience moments that I've I've learned so much about and and That's so I'm cool. really excited yeah 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 I was like I remember like playing the game uh, in, in in for the review mm -hmm. and I, there was this one uh, one moment where I had no idea how to continue and like you. <laughs> Obviously, you can't just go to YouTube and uh, look it up. Yeah, if it's <laughs> so not there. I had to <laughs> and actually ask you, dude, how can I continue here? And it oh, was yeah. super easy. It was super well, stupid from, from me. But do you, uh, do you remember which one it was? Was that the puzzle in the caves? Yes, the that puzzle the in the next. caves. And then you said, oh, yeah, you're right. I should add a vine there so that people see you can climb up there. Yeah. And that's it. And yeah, um, yeah. so... But yeah, it was uh, it, it's good good to hear that you you took your lessons learned, uh, and I I have to re briefly read a couple of questions from, from yeah, yeah. of course here from the chat as well. Um, for, uh, 
we have Paul. Uh, he's a channel member for 16 months. Dude, I, I have no idea how, how you endure uh, <laughs> my stuff here for 16 months. No, but thank you so much for the support. He says, evening lads, I'm here lurking with having caught COVID. So please accept my apologies for inactivity in the chat. Dude, all the best wishes. Get well soon. No worries. We will play some games when once you're back at full health. Um, take care, man. Take care. And Sith Lord, he's a member for two months now. Man, uh, awesome stuff here. He says, I can't wait for the sequel, Joe. Um, yeah. You and me both, Sith Lord. <laughs> you and me both. Um. The question I want to read is uh, from Andrew Sauce, though. Let me briefly throw it up on screen. So he asks, I enjoy stylized graphics like Wolf Amongst Us. Do you think increased processing power and realism will make future games look more the same? I, you know, that's a good question. I think it would be a shame if people only made realistic looking games uh, as we look at mine, which is sort of trying to do that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, you know, I think... Um, the, it's there's always going to be a reason to do artistic and stylized things. And I think there's plenty of places to put processing power even in, you know, what you might think of as like a lower resolution or lower graphic fidelity game. Um, that's, you know, sprite counts and better, better lighting effects. You know, you can put all this stuff in if you're not spending it on super high resolution textures and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think the future for me is to do something more in, in that direction and less in the super realistic um, path, which I kind of am trying my song. And um, uh, I don't, I think you're going to see a lot more indies um, with more like higher fidelity looking stuff because it's more accessible to them. Yeah. Um, but I don't think as a whole, we'll see, we'll see the industry only. See, that's something, stuff. something I've, I've learned recently, a couple of weeks ago, we had, um the the solo developer from Stormride oh, okay. on, yeah, yeah. on here um and he uh, I asked him specifically this question because he's also going for a super realistic look with an open world RPG mm -hmm. and I did not expect that from an indie game they are yeah. used to uh, you know a lot of people have in mind like pixelated art styles yeah. and stuff like that when when you, when you think of indie games and um, he actually uh, answered in a very similar way. He says, like, dude, it was way easier to do realistic because you can just download assets um, mm -hmm. and have your own stylized art style that you actually have to create. So I found that really interesting. Yeah, with the, you know, Unreal purchased uh, Megascans, which is a company that has, I mean, a million or something assets of that are like full 3D photogrammetry scanned and and so it's just like, do you want a super realistic rock? You just download it. I, yeah. I, this time I'm doing a lot of editing on all that stuff to make it more performant and, and my own little bit of a style to it. But it's still so much content is coming from there. And uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy easy. I mean, the fear obviously is that you, you'll see the same rock in a lot of games, which is going to be <laughs> one of the reasons that I'm trying to make sure I edit it all a little bit. Yeah. Um, at least at least a little, um, if, if not a lot. But um but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to doing more art next time. Uh, so I'm going to definitely, I'm going to be going away from it, which is funny, but. <laughs> good, good stuff. John TJ sends in another generous super chat, man. Thank you so, so much for the support. Really means a lot. Thank you. Uh, he says, uh, your game needs to be in Game Pass. Um, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, yeah. 
I wish it was up to me. <laughs> but yeah, it would be awesome. And yeah. by the way, Boxy, I'm very glad you eventually beat that troll. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, it, it was like, I, it took me way too long. It, it took me way too long to beat that troll. But uh, it, you know, I, 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 I mentioned that in the green room as well to chill. I said like, but that's a me thing. It breaks my kind of my brain. I play with the controller, yeah, and yeah. you have to like aim with the right trigger. And yeah, you usually don't do that in games. So when I press the right button, it, it I just wasn't able to aim. And I had the same thing with the first game, and it took me like thirty minutes or so to get used to it. But once you have it down, it's actually kind of intuitive. So. Yeah, chill. Make with that what you want. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I, it's it's um it, the controls was something I struggled with all through the first game, and, I, and it's going to be a struggle with the second game. I think I'm I'm definitely going to spend a lot more time on it. Um, I've removed I've removed some actions just completely from the game to reduce the amount of button memorization you needed and stuff. And so yeah. I do now have room to to do some more experimenting. I, the reason, I mean, you know, to go in the weeds, like it's on that stick was because it was the right click on the mouse is what brought it up. So I was trying to, in my brain, I was keeping everything on the, the same like hand or whatever. But mm. um, yeah, it's definitely something I need to look at. And, and hopefully I'll, I'll have better remapping options this time oh, yeah. is a goal too. And then remapping would also be absolutely. Yeah, you can do it on the PC for mouse and keyboard controls, but you can't do uh for, for controls yeah, yeah. Um, I, I play like almost everything i can with the controller i just prefer oh, yeah. it over most totally mouse and keyboard so uh <laughs> yeah. yeah um mr charna dark wants to know um hang on i want to highlight that question why doesn't it here uh, i want to know uh <laughs> when the Netflix series for Song of Iron is coming, titled Song of Iron, The Lost Viking? That's a good question. That's super funny. Honest, actually, I, I knew somebody who was pitching it um, at some Hollywood thing. And uh, at the time, it's just very vague, you know, nothing crazy. Uh, they were like, oh, there's another one coming. And that was um, the, that, the Viking movie that just came out maybe last year um, with Andrew Skarsgård or whatever it was called. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, yeah, there's already a revenge Viking movie in the works, so now we're good. <laughs> uh, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> it was going to happen if, if they weren't making it or anything. You know, it wasn't that like, oh, we should have caught talked to you a month ago. But yeah, that was a, that did happen. Funny enough, so maybe one day we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Obama's them. They they've lost Vikings now, so you may as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there's there's a spin-off uh but i haven't watched that yet. vikings valhalla on netflix yeah yeah I oh right yeah. Yet. yeah 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 um, the northman no yeah but the, the the movie you you're referring to i think it was called yeah, the, the northman North right yeah. yeah yeah that's it i did not like that movie i, I a, didn't i didn't love it either i thought it was awesome at the beginning and it slowly yeah. got worse and worse and by yeah. the end i was like oh this isn't the movie i yeah. thought it was gonna be <laughs> Exactly, exactly the way I felt. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of those things where it got smaller and smaller. In a, you know what I mean? Like the importance mm. of everything. I was like, I thought nothing matters here. You guys are in no man's land. Like, <laughs> I was like, hey, are, are they going supernatural now, or or are they yeah. trying to stay realistic? I I had no idea at the end. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But let us talk about your game. Because <laughs> your game also had a very, very surprising ending. And I'm not going to spoil it here. For those who haven't played the first one, it was like kind of on inside level craziness at the end. Uh, <laughs> I, went, I also remember playing this uh, for the review. And I, I knew Dutch had, had a code as well. And it was like, yeah. dude, are you already there? Are you already there? And we were like, what is going on here? It was, it was amazing. It really... Uh, I did not expect it. I, I loved the ending. Um, so uh, without spoiling it too much, mm -hmm. uh, for those who have played it, can we expect that the game continues directly after the one or uh, the first one? Or uh, where, where where do we start with song two here? And yeah, can you yeah. let us a little bit into the lore of, of, of the game there? Yeah, totally. Song, song two is going to follow pretty much directly after uh, the ending of part one. I think I might even go backwards a little bit and play through the uh, just that last moment just one more time uh, as sort of a recap. I definitely want people to be able to pick up song two, not having played the first one and and know what's going on at least a, a little bit uh, so people can play without playing the first as a big goal for me. Uh, but yeah, you're going to pick up right from right from the from the end. Um, and you're gonna and you're gonna go right from there. Now you kind of you know that there's this big kind of problem to be to be dealt with that's bigger than what your your, your small problem yeah. was in the first one, and, and and you're gonna go right 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 into it. You kind of teased that at the end of the demo. Uh, I just let yeah oh yeah <laughs> it's definitely there yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah, yeah I, I mean the the spoilers for the first one are gonna keep coming. I think it's in the trailer for sure, and mm. and it might seem super crazy, but I'm excited to be able to talk about it. It was I was so secretive about almost the second half of the game completely. Yeah, you had uh, to, man. It would would have yeah. been. It was really a big surprise when I played yeah, it. I, I so. absolutely did not expect that. Um, <laughs> that <was> a million years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So now I'll be I'll be talking about it more. So hopefully, people, you know, I, I hate to ruin the surprise for people who haven't played yet, but hopefully, you know, uh, it'll be nice yeah. to talk about it. More absolutely, more. absolutely, and we, I see it. You have a couple of fans here in in the chat. Uh, we have Oscar Emilio saying hello all. I I love the first game. This looks even better, and I can uh, confirm uh, it sure does look better. You can really tell. Chisno uh, says, uh, uh, "Is there a tentative release window you're shooting for? Really love the first game. Keep it installed just in case." <clears throat> Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, on both uh, on both of those, it, it definitely is looking way better. I'm really excited about the, the performance I'm able to get while improving the visuals. Uh, one of the things I'm really proud of, and you're seeing it here, is the mud stuff. And I'm trying to make yeah. I'm trying to make the world more interactive and feel like you're part of it. So as he rolls around, he gets all muddy, and when he's in the mud and stuff, and it's just one and of the many things that's going on in, in the storm and stuff. And I noticed wow. that as well. I also noticed some changes in the animation of the enemies. Like uh, here, when you see like I dodge roll besides mm -hmm. them, and they actually turn around. Way cool. yeah, they have a they have like a backwards attack now, which helps yeah, exactly. instead, instead of the very robotic turnaround to fight you. Now that yeah, they can yeah. do that. Um, you're also one of the big changes too is when you're hitting them, you're actually stunning them, where before mm -hmm. they would just do a reaction. So you can it helps you juggle more, so you can attack back and forth and. Yeah. And keep yeah. them off you and hopefully feel more like a John Wick kind of moment, uh, even more than before. Um, and then the other question was, oh, release date. Um, honestly, I was trying originally to do like a two-year cycle, but 
I'm kind of getting to a point where I'm I'm going to go for a longer stint, so I really don't know anymore when it when mm. it's going to come out. Because um, I I kind of had the big plans for song two are there, the systems are are coming together, but I want to make sure I can I can deliver a game that's just just above and beyond what the first one was, and and really put a lot of a lot of high quality stuff in there. And I think it was maybe one of the mistakes of the first one. Or, you know, it's good because I got through it and I got to release it. And, uh, you know, knowing now what I know, what I know from that, I, I want to make sure I implement all that stuff in the best way possible and, yeah. and take some time and make a, it more beautiful and better animation and all that stuff. So, awesome. so unknown for sure. Unknown. Unknown. And that's a fair assessment. Uh, take the time <laughs> you need. Uh, we're going to be waiting and we can't, I can't wait to see all the updates, guys. If you don't follow Joe, uh, That's actually how I discovered him because he is one of the very few developers that posts regularly on his Twitter account just about some stuff he's working on on the game and then give you a little insight in the development process. And you have kind of like the feeling that you're part uh, of, of this journey and uh, that's really cool. So his link is in the description here of the show note for those who haven't uh, followed him yet. Definitely do so. Definitely do so. Um, I also want to read a super chat from Mr. Joanna Dark. He says, hello, Joe. Good to see you again on a podcast. After Song of Iron, what is the next game you want to build? What genre or who would you, uh, would be your dream dev to work with on the game? Um, that's a good question. I, I There's a game that I'm always trying to make, and I, I worked on it again after Song One just to see where my skills were at for it because it's definitely a, a bigger more involved project and it's sort of a miyazaki open world daisy something crazy in that realm and um i built a pretty big piece of it uh recently i mean really just a demo but you could fly around in the little like fluttering kind of craft that they've got in like uh, howl's moving castle and and that stuff and and shoot, shoot people and it was multiplayer and I was starting to figure those systems out. So, I mean, dream job, dream games to make something like that, some really big open world Miyazaki game, basically. Um, dream dev team is tough. You know, I really enjoy solo. I think a few of my close friends who I trust a lot um, that are animators also uh, by trade would be awesome to work with them because uh, we think alike and, you know, would it'd be a very sort of visual first uh, building kind of process. And um, I think that would be the way to go. I think small teams, small teams are the way. And and I think it's always great to, to be in a small team. Having a, a network engineer would be awesome <laughs> to do the multiplayer <laughs> stuff. To help is, you up with that. Uh, oh yeah. my goodness, that stuff is tough. But um, but yeah, yeah, it's tough to say. Yeah, good, good, good stuff. Um... So we already talked about a little bit uh, some of the changes in the animation and some of the details, like you mentioned, the mud. What about some core gameplay elements? There were like minor riddles um, to mm. solve, um, puzzle, or puzzle riddles, uh, if you will, uh, in the first one. Are you going to change that or will there be additional like new gameplay elements that we haven't seen in the first one? Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of new stuff, um, and it's one of the reasons I'm, I want to make sure I take the time to fulfill these these new systems as much as I can. I mean, the first one was a very linear; you're just walking from the right to left all the way across until you finish. Um, mm -hmm. To make it very plainly spoken about, but 
but this time there's, you know, there's basically these islands. We're sailing back and forth between them a bit. And you're kind of trying to help or convince these clans to join you. And um, the exploration has gone way up. The puzzles have improved a lot. Um, and they, they, they teach you for better puzzles. I'm not just putting you, yeah. having one big puzzle in the middle. That's, <laughs> that's like really hard and with no <laughs> lessons. And um, there's definitely more Metroidvania-ness to, to the whole game. Um, it's not... I wouldn't say it's like really heavy, but it's there and there's reasons to come back and you're going to get more abilities and, and stuff than the first one had. And, and it's all going to be a good reason to go back and to discover something new. And there's, there's more of what happened at the end and all spread out throughout the, the game. <laughs> so there's this, you know, you'll go through and do a normal Viking thing and then you kind of do, you know, you work on that twist and it all culminates at the end. And so the game's going to be much longer than the first one. Um, much bigger just overall yeah that's cool that's cool a lot more things we talked about this a little bit about uh in the green room as well uh and i but i i already said there you have to repeat it live on the air because yeah yeah when we talked about the first game um you you mentioned that you already had the idea for the story and where it goes for like mm. maybe three parts in your head um and now you're mentioning um okay this is gonna be Probably, maybe uh, the, the final one, the second one. So, um, what what led to that? Yeah, so stuff. So, I mean, I'd always I, I kind of split it into the, the trilogy because it's natural to kind of do these three three parts, and um, and that way I could get the first one done actually, and not have this huge story. But the more mm -hmm. I work on this one, and the more I kind of I'm honestly ready to move on to something new, or or, or preparing myself to be ready because I think. You know, as a creative, I always want to try new stuff and be kind of get challenge myself on that. And so the more I think about it, the more I'm excited to make this game even bigger and kind of finish up the whole the whole story um, in the second part. And I think honestly, I think it's the better way. I think the the third game would be probably not as good in a few ways because it, 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 I don't know without getting into it too much. It's like it'll be better to have the third game be condensed into like an hour, an hour and a half, just have it be this great rampage moment. And I think yeah. it would have felt maybe drawn out too much if I um, made a third game, the more I think about it. And also, you know, honestly, I, there, like I'm getting inspired to work on some new stuff. Kind of like I'm saying, I don't know if you guys have watched primal yet on HBO. Yeah. It's like an animated thing. That show is so cool, and I was like, I want to make this game. Not that I'm gonna, but it's like that. That's just that just screams awesome <laughs> video game to me. And so I was just, I instantly felt that like draw to make something different. Okay. Even though it's hilariously similar, Song of Iron in a lot of ways, but I just, I just felt it. You know, I was just like, oh, okay, maybe I should, I should close this down and and you know and evolve from there. So, hey, and that's part of man, it, part of the part of the. It's going to take a little longer, um, but it's cool. That's cool. No, game. man, if you have other creative ideas and want to work on something different, um, go for it. Yeah. Uh, can't wait to see what it, it, it will turn out to be. <laughs> uh, but first, you obviously have a long way to go with, with uh, Song 2. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> will we see new weapons in that game? Absolutely, I want to. I think um, at, at the very least, like more diversity of axes and spears. You know, sp the spear was a really kind of underplayed thing in the first one, and the sword yeah. too. It just sort of shows up, and and they feel very similar. And and the hope will be that honestly, the sword and the axe were basically using the same animation in the first one. I mean, there's like all these things. There's like very kind of 
yeah. you know, cheaply done in a, in a way or easily simply done. And, and I hope to, to step away from that and make the sword feel way more unique, um, spear feel better and, and then add some more, more stuff there. Like a two handed sword would be cool too. You know, that kind of, all that kind of stuff. Dutch, do you want to, want to, want to put out the next question to, to, uh, chill? Yeah. Well, I mentioned it on, on, um, on the podcast yesterday, but obviously for your audience, I want to ask the a similar or same question, to be honest. And that is with regards, of course, you have these, especially in the first one, you had these sequences with these awesome boss battles. Um, but you did mention, of course, you wanted to change things up a little bit as well and not kind of, you mentioned the troll moment specifically. Um, having had that like three times in the first one, you're like, mm -hmm. you don't want to go through that again in the second one. You don't want to have just fighting like you take away the kind of edge of it where you see the troll for the first time and have that moment, but then play it again and again. Um, in the in the second one, kind of what what rough plans have you got so far? What rough ideas have you got so far for some awesome boss sequences? Any anything yeah. you're thinking about putting in? Yeah, I, I definitely am going to increase the boss uh, the the boss count in this one and, and just improve even the ones that you know the the sort of copycat bosses should be different i've got a big um a big mall for the troll like a big kind of tree trunk with metal specs at the end of it that he'll that he'll bust out in one of his iterations so you know it's like it's these things where uh you know i want to i want to re troll because he looks awesome and you know but i can i cannot i can do more than just copy and paste him to another spot i can now here's the you know the one with the weapon and and stuff like that so that'll be a big thing so you'll get some diversity there um, and, but then also, you know, you're going to be fighting more gods. You're going to be fighting more of this mysterious enemy in different incarnations than what we've seen. And, uh, and some bigger, more bosses that are part of sort of Nordic lore too, because it's all, everything's seeping through now more and more. So, yeah, it'd be, I really want to fight like a, like an ice giant, a monster I was creature. just about to say giants. Sure. Milan trying to giant. figure out how to manage that is going to be interesting but i definitely i definitely want to i i know the place that they they live uh within the world and stuff and so i just gotta just gotta figure it out yeah how to how to make that fight happen i did as a test scale the troll up like four times um had him walking <laughs> around in the background and it just looks so cool that that scale but figuring out how to how to make that fight work is going to be a, a challenge so but definitely Good. Definitely. Maybe he's, maybe he's a little maybe he's further on in the game when you've got kind of I don't know whether or not you're going yeah. through the, the electric fight arrows or fire mm -hmm. arrows and things again. But yeah, more of that. I'm gonna there's gonna be more mobility too, like um like a super jump and and just some more some larger scale mobility I think is gonna come into play this time. And uh that'll that sort of thing will help a lot too. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome! And we'll, I think another follow-up question to to the fighting section. I know you mentioned previous just a second ago there about the weapons as well and changing up the weapons. But will you get Odin's hammer or Thor's hammer? Should we say? Uh, it will. They, I'm sure it'll come back in some iteration. We'll see. I mean, the one. Oh gosh, it's impossible to not give away some of the first one. It, it's uh, <laughs> you know, it's like that. That one is is different, right? It's a different yeah. one. It's yeah, it a is. fake, and um, and so yeah, we'll we'll see how that stuff comes back. But yeah, in chat, awesome. Mister Joanna Dark asks, "Will it be Steam Deck verified?" 
Yeah, the first one um, is verified for Steam Deck. Um, I didn't do anything. I just got an email from Steam, and they said, hey, we checked, and you're verified. <laughs> so I was like, all right, cool. I'm happy about that. Hard to beat it. And then um, I, I would assume I'm definitely going to try to make the second one. I think it's one of the one of the one of the benefits of having such a simple game, as far as the systems are concerned, is it just sort of works in all these situations that I think other games probably struggle with because they have more complexity and they're relying on those systems more. Uh, so when a new thing comes up, it's a little difficult. But yeah, lucky for me. Cool. Awesome. Very cool. The story um, was told well basically through a couple of um, um, text that's script on screen. Will mm -hmm. there be a difference in, in how the story is presented? Like either cutscenes or I know you mentioned yesterday on the show something about uh, voice acting. So tell us a little bit. What about how is the story going to be presented to? Yeah, I, it, it's going to be presented very similar to the first one as far as... Um, like what you're seeing on screen. I, I think the big change is going to be the the, the voiceover uh, work that's going to, that I'm going to do. I think it's just about, it's about kind of getting the emotions. Like I'm trying to keep the script short and simple again. Uh, it'll be longer because there's more stuff involved, but having the voice to go along with the the script is just going to add kind of the emotion and the intention of what the, a lot of the dialogue is. I yeah. think that will help a lot. Um, I think if I end up with a lot of time, I can do a little bit, I don't really want to call them cutscenes, but sort of like on-screen action happening, similar to the very beginning of the first one with the loved one when he's on the ground, and he's holding her and yeah. stuff. Um, sort of having those moments just happen naturally, like as you as you kind of come across them. Um, but I I definitely don't want to cut away and have some rendered moment play out. Uh, I, I definitely want to avoid those. But they're expensive. But also, I think. I love just keeping you in the world as much as possible and never feeling like I, I do a cut or pull you out or anything like that as much as I can. And, and I think as cool as those can be sometimes, uh, I think maybe those do kind of like go, okay, now I'm going to, I'm going to put my controller down and watch for a minute. And then, yeah. you know, it kind of like, it kind of does yeah. can pull you out a little bit. So I'll, I'll definitely avoid those, but. Hopefully, my voice acting and, and whoever helps me out will, <laughs> will pull since you out. You since you mentioned that, I went, went back and listened to it again, and I was like, hey, "That is Jewel." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You can't hear it, but it's a it's it's a lot different, and I don't hate it. Which normally, when you hear yourself, right, it's just the worst thing. It's, and so, yeah. yeah, it's I'm happy with yeah. it. <laughs> how, how that managed to turn out. <laughs> That's cool. So it's, um, since we are on on the, the topic of audio, um, will there be, will there be any improvements in, in in the audio design, like sound effects and such? Um, I think so a little bit. I'm, I'm I haven't figured out exactly my plan for it yet. I, I hope to work with the the same team that did some of the design last time. I yeah. One of the weaknesses for me with sound design in the first game was the system was pretty uh, weak, just in terms of how we were managing the sound and everything. And I've already made a ton of, of, of improvements to that. I mean, I basically destroyed it and rewrote it. And uh, that's going to help with the music. It's going to help with sound effects. It's going to just help with everything across the board. And it's this, um, you know, sometimes a really complicated system that's made for a big AAA game isn't necessarily the best thing for what I'm trying to achieve. And so mm. I've, I've removed the F mod, which we were using also, and I'm just going to use Unreal's native stuff. Uh, and that lets me build it exactly how I want it for the game. And, um, and so I, I 
I look forward to it being a much cleaner and much more sort of visceral sound in that like it's yeah. very focused on the most important moment and everything else is kind of faded away a little bit. Yeah, cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. Dave Ramos sends in a super chat, $5. Thank you so much for the support, man. He asks, what aspect of video game development would you say is your superpower and which aspect is a challenge? Man, I think animation is totally my superpower. Um, that's what I did in the industry before I went solo. I, I was animator on uh, a bunch of stuff from Cryptic, like Neverwinter and Star Trek Online. And then um, I worked on Halo 5 and Halo Infinite as, as a a contract animator and all the way to eventually being the lead character animator for, for infinite. And, uh, I don't think it shows completely in song of iron, uh, because I use, I use the superpower to animate very quickly and then move on. Cause the stuff that's hard, which is the most challenging stuff is the, is the system engineering, um, which I'm not super good with. Um, I just, because I'm an animator, I'm not an engineer. Yeah. And so I'm all blueprints the whole time. And, um, And then porting to new systems is extra challenging because there's no blueprints in the gray zone between Unreal and Xbox and Steam. There's like actual engineering needed. So I, I struggle with that quite a bit. Good. Good. Yeah, man. Everyone has its strength and weaknesses. Yeah, um, yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. Um, We have, like, usually during our podcast, at the very end, we do community questions that people can send in, send in early for those who can't make it live to the show and can't uh, or, or watch around uh, on uh, or listen to, to the podcast on, on the podcast services around the globe, like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and such. So um, I do have a question here from Jonathan Smith that I wanted to read to you. He says, hey, guys, got a question for Joe. With an unlimited budget of development resources, what would be your most ambitious dream project to work on? I mean, it's a, it's a similar question that we already oh, yeah, had. No. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a, and it's a similar answer. The first thing I'll say is unlimited resources is a poison and it will corrupt any game being developed, I think. Uh, as much as it sounds awesome, I think, I think unlimited resources... It, is a bad thing you know i i would rather work on a shoestring budget well it's nice to have a decent budget <laughs> of course but, but i would i would prefer a you a know budget a, a comfortable budget with you know at the max like if we're talking like a big kind of dream project like 30-ish people i think you really don't want to go too far i think it's so much better to make a game where everybody's involved directly with the whole thing and everybody can play together like you know every day at one o'clock and then come together and talk about it and then go back and work. Um, that dream project right now though, is that Miyazaki open world Daisy crossover something game. I think the world of Miyazaki is, is incredible. And I think it's barely been touched. Like the way he presents stories and creates uh, a world with backstory without ever telling you about it is incredible. And, and, Everybody's a lot of people try to do it, and I think it hasn't quite ma been managed in, in the way that I see it, at least. And I would love to throw my hat into that ring and, and see what I can do. Good stuff. Good stuff. I see there is a fan um, <laughs> for you. Um, Doom Reaper asks the 
question. Will there be Song of Steel? That's a good question. <laughs> well, we'll see if the forging uh, upgrades enough. <laughs> it's, and Bellatone sends in a question. Uh, it's similar to the question I asked you actually yesterday on Under Team. Did you get any help from the Xbox team? Uh, in that case, it probably is the ID at Xbox team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I help, no help with development uh, directly, but um, but help as far as marketing is concerned and visibility, just being part of it in any way, being mentioned in any of their releasing, you know, press release stuff is always a, a benefit. It it adds so much legitimacy. I mean, there's hundreds of indie games get released every day at this point. It seems like and um, and having any any boost to kind of the credibility of a game is sort of a priceless thing so from that's where they that's where most of the help comes from okay um i know we talked a little bit a little bit about this yesterday how is it how is the process with like the dev kits going and is it easy to to bring the, the game to work on a serious development kit uh, now that the next gen consoles are, mm -hmm. are here or current gen consoles. Yeah, I, I'm actually so I was basically using for the first one I used the old system, XDK, Xbox development kit. Yeah, and uh, I so it's you know my game is really an Xbox One game that you can just play on the new stuff. Technically, yeah. I did some tricky stuff, so you you did get some boosts and, and everything on the newer systems, but um, the new GDK, which is the new system, which uses crosses from the new ones to the old ones and to PC. Uh, so far is great. Honestly, I'm, I'm updating to it as we speak. Um, I just moved over to five Sunday and Monday. And then part of that reason was to, to do GDK with all the new stuff that five has that makes the GDK stuff even easier. So um, I'm just starting to get my fingers into it, but I already had it running. I mean, I, I think I, I turned it off right as we started the podcast that I had song two up on, on the, on the, the new stuff so uh, it seems to be nice and easy this time yeah awesome <laughs> That's... now with with going on unreal 5 because you mentioned there's a lot of stuff that you don't need and 90 90 mm -hmm. or something of this kit that they give you in unreal 5 you don't yeah. need um but is it a case of you're probably going to sit there obviously now thankfully and i say this from a from personal perspective as well from yourself not mm -hmm. because the first one we know and i know if i haven't spoken to you many times throughout the first development how stressed you got specifically near the end. Um, and obviously now you're, you're having that ability to kind of take a step back and say, no, I'm, I'm going to take my time with this one and just get it right. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be a case of potentially learning Unreal and what Unreal has to offer and seeing what might enhance that game further then? I think maybe a little bit. I'm sure there's um, some systems that I never, I didn't touch really and, and avoided and, and stuff, even on four, um, but five now with, you know, this huge library of new things. I think some of it, I think, I think a lot of it I can do without, you know, I, I'm going to avoid like Lumen and um, whatever this, the super resolution for all the pixels thing was called. Yeah. Um, whatever it was, uh, just because I, you know, because I'm going to try to get onto the, the base Xbox and all the stuff, I'm going to just sort of avoid some of those super systems. That I just don't think I need really either, um, because of you know my lock camera really lets me kind of play to stuff without needing to worry about some of that. But there's definitely things I know some of the, they've improved some of the lighting stuff and even outside of Lumen, which I, I think Lumen is just sort of on all the time. I know it's all called Lumen, but yeah, um, uh, yeah. There's definitely some stuff that there, but I think for the most part, it's more about building 
better content and taking more yeah. time with it. I, you know, the first one you'll notice there's like very little effects in it. And it's because I just, I couldn't learn a system. And so there's just very, very little effects. And I hopefully will have more time to do more effects in this one. I'm already doing it with like the, the, the storm and you can see just, there's just more stuff already going mm, on. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's more about, yeah, it's more about filling out, right. Already avoided than anything. Yeah. I think we touched on this yesterday, but obviously for those who haven't played the demo, he has now managed to implement DLSS on the PC version. Yes. Mm -hmm. So DLSS is a, is going to be available on PC for the game going yeah. forward. And I think you mentioned I, as well looking at potentially getting FSR for the Xbox version as well. Yeah, definitely is the goal. I think um, the performance increases from those systems is just like it's mind-boggling. It's it's crazy. So I think it's a it's a brainer. I assume it's almost no. as easy too. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what we hear. Yeah, hey, we're not developers. We just hear stuff on the internet, right? Yeah, click the on button and it works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Joe, um, yeah, we are almost closing in in on a, on a full hour with you uh, on the show. Um, it, I want to say a big thank you for coming on here. I want to wish you, of course all the best for for the development of song two we will definitely keep in touch and if you're open absolutely. to it um, you're absolutely welcome to come back here um yeah let people know here and guys uh, if you have one last question in chat definitely drop it in now uh last chance uh, <laughs> uh no but uh in the meantime let people know uh where they can find song of iron yeah, right now, um, Song of Iron is on Steam and Xbox. You can just search Song of Iron. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, which I'm pretty much the most active with sharing kind of what's going on, it's just at Song of Iron as well. And uh, yeah, and uh, check it out. And uh, subscribe to the newsletter, like Boxwork said. You know, you get a free, exactly. free Again. soundtrack. <laughs> Not the first game I'll give it away. And then, uh, yeah, you can get a demo for the, the new one. You definitely do. It's, it's awesome. Um, Guys, in the description here of the show notes, just a little arrow thing, click there and you will find the links with Twitter to songofiron.com where you can sign up for the newsletter. And with that, you get access to the demo. Uh, we've watched the playthrough, my playthrough three times now. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to do another one where I don't need that many attempts to beat the troll. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's it's fantastic. It and it actually runs on a lot of devices, so you don't have to have a superpower PC. Um, it, it's better this time. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, highly recommend to check this out. Um, again, Joe, thank you so much um, for coming on. It was a pleasure talking with you. So many laughs, so many insights. Um, <laughs> it's it's was fantastic. Thank you, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's it's always fun to to chat with you guys and uh, and talk about Song of Iron or just games in general. So I, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, and we will have you back uh, and see how the the the, the development progress uh, has been. Um, it's it's always fun. So awesome. <laughs> well, thank you, Chill. Take care right. and have a great yeah. one. Thank you, and thanks everybody for for hanging out. See ya. Cheers, yeah. Joe. Thank you. See ya. All right guys all right um that was fun uh it, it's always fun to talk with joe man yeah yeah i think and i'm gonna so get because him and him and thomas Saller have done um 
uh, events together now on uh, on game development, etc. I think I'm going to hit them both mm. up and see if I can get them on to uh, to talk development as opposed to just <laughs> games. I think that'll be an interesting show. Definitely. Oh, that for sure, for sure. But man, speaking of games, what have you been playing lately? Ah, see, I've been um, aside from from trying out Deathloop, I've been playing Nino Kuni. Uh, it's my first. Ooh. I did ask from the one thing I asked before we seen TGS. Nice new, uh, a nice new. Um, start again. A nice new JRPG. My mind went completely blank there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just throwing well, up some footage of, of what I've been playing, but uh, yeah. please continue. I want to hear about Nino Kuni because I was thinking actually about downloading it, but there's just oh, so much to play right now. Uh, absolutely. I highly yeah. recommend it. It is a, an absolutely gorgeous game. Um, like, it is, like, the art style is is phenomenal. Um, the story's really good. The um, the acting's good. The voice acting's good. Um, the combat is enjoyable. It's a little bit different um, to what a lot of people are used to. Specifically, uh, for those who haven't played it, of course, Nino Kuni and and Revenant Kingdom are already out on PC, etc. If you want to buy them and play them, um, but Nino Kuni: Wrath of the White Witch is obviously now on Xbox on Game Pass. Revenant Kingdom Two will be out, um, or Part Two. Revenant Kingdom will be out next year on Game Pass as well. Um, in the in a HD remastered version, um, but no, it's that the one thing I asked from TGS was a nice new Japanese RPG game that I can sink my teeth into and enjoy. Um, and th- this is delivered for me. This is the game that I was kind of hoping for. Um, it is a really uh, a beautiful game. Um, great story, great artwork, cool combat, um, nice little level up system. Um, great characters so far i mean i'm only about five six hours into it but um it's a about 40 hour game i think it is over and overall um so pretty lengthy um not too lengthy though at the same time is it is it very fast paced because the way you describe it it sounds to me like this is going to be my next x cloud game i always have one game that i play through on on x cloud no thankfully it's i wouldn't say it's fast paced um yeah it is. It's a happy medium. There's a lot of a lot of save points in there as well. So I, I, I'm doing it in chunks, and of course, as as you know now, obviously, I've with ADHD and things like that. Like my attention span can dwindle and dwindle, even <laughs> with the games I love. Yeah. Um, so nah, it's it is, great. Yeah. I can I can take um, like bursts of like an hour or two hours or something, and get a good chunk of the little of the story done, and get to a save point, and then saved and then i can just pick right up where i left off and it's got nice little indications of where you need to go um so no it's, i would say it's a game you can kind of hack away at over time and, and not really lose track of what you've got to do or anything like that it's really good good anything else that kept you busy of course metal Helsinger. uh yeah. <laughs> right here on screen yeah 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 i come I've, you know what it is i go back and i try to beat my high scores um I, I tried to again we're in a mini competition with uh with uh jen as well to see who can get the biggest score on stygia level uh, i think i've got i'm on like 9.7 million on that at something at the moment which is like i think it's it was 94 percent um at 16 times so i was almost at, at i don't think you'll ever get 100 i think 99 is probably going to be the highest because you don't start yeah. the level at 16 times um so it, i'm close 
I'm close to getting the ultimate amount on it. I just uh, a little bit more work. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. a fantastic game. Yeah, I've been playing that as well. Finished it actually twice. I did the first yeah. uh, playthrough on on easy, and then the second one on um, the uh, the middle thing, whatever it is called. Uh, yeah, and um, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's an awesome game. I highly recommend it for everyone who loves uh, games like Doom. Uh, it's super fast paced, and once you get the hang of the the rhythm based shooting uh, and, and and slashing, it's it's just a lot of fun. Um, you can see the footage here on screen. Um, I I enjoyed that as well. Um, yeah, it's, I was I, surprised. I was surprised yesterday though when you said the sword was your favorite weapon. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can I see that, that here. Yeah. I'm I'm usually I just switch uh, to the skull usually uh, in between the different uh, sections to to keep the counter up, yeah. And then I just go back to right to the sword and with the sword you can just slash everything. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I I love it. Uh, it's it's fantastic. It's it's really good. Um, and the soundtrack is obviously uh, amazing. Um, and it's an incredible achievement for for such a small team to get all these high profile bands on there and make dedicated songs for that game so that you don't get any like copyright strikes when you stream it or or something um so like bands like system of a down made made tracks solely for this game it's it's incredible an incredible achievement and i highly recommend it for not only the metal fans but everyone who likes fast paced shooters um yeah just 100%. good, just a good 100%. game. Yeah, and besides that, I started actually a death loop. Uh, still yeah. early in, like three hours or so. So, what did you think of death loop? <clears throat> it's it's still it's still got to 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 get me yet. Um, mm. I find it intriguing. Um, the story is definitely far different than I thought it was going to be. The story is is very different, actually. Um, I intentionally didn't because, of course, I don't have a PlayStation 5 yet. So I intentionally didn't pay attention to reviews or anything like that because I wasn't going to get a chance to play it at that point. Yeah. Um, and the gaming laptop I've got now, which is now capable of playing a game like that properly, um, I just didn't pick it up um, on that. I didn't know whether or not I wanted to buy it because, again, eventually it would come to Xbox. Um, and, of course, it has come out. So... It is uh, it is completely new to me in terms of story wise and everything like that. Um, the shooting mechanics and everything I tend to find are kind of average for for what a shooter would be. They are they are a shooter. It's it's well done. The mechanics yeah. are good. It plays well. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know I don't know what it is about it. I don't know whether or not it's just because it's I know I've got to go round in circles essentially forever until I find enough clues and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. whether or not it's just that aspect of it that's kind of grinding on us a bit already. Um but hey, it's it is a good game. The story's intriguing. It's yes. I think it's just the the fact that the way the game is meant to be played, which is obviously dying and repeating and dying and repeating and finding your clues and ultimately eventually figuring out what's going on. Um I might just I might just take it in small chunks. I think, but otherwise, it's a good game. What about you? It is, yeah. I I didn't expect the the story to be told in in that way, honestly. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's super fast paced uh, like the banter in between cold and and julia um they go back and forth and it's 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 fun it's actually like not serious uh doesn't take itself too serious it's it's the humor is good um i like it um so far i'm i'm really having a blast but i've heard a lot uh, of people say on twitter that after a couple of hours into the game they kind of got bored because it became repetitive um so yeah i've yet to to see that so far i'm like i don't know three maybe four hours in i want to give a few uh, little advice for those who also played for the first time because it's it's really weird to me but for instance it, what you sh definitely should do is if you go into the game settings go to audio and turn on 3d audio because it is by default turned off um, and it is a game changer for that game especially in the stealth um, areas you can then really really well hear where the people walk and you can um, adjust your strategy to it uh, it helps a lot and uh, it's 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 actually a super good, very good um, uh, 3d audio they turned it off by default for some reason i don't know why and i also highly recommend for those who play the game on on a vrr screen to play it in the 4k quality mode uh graphics quality mode uh you will still get the 60 fps with vrr you won't notice the drops but uh you get a, a very pristine and, and sharp image so that that's my advice for those yeah other than that man um yeah H4 still keeps me busy. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm not going to go into that because I know people want to talk about the the spicy thing, uh, the spicy news of the day. Spicy. The spicy yep. news. Uh, Satya Nadella, um, I, I think you've heard of him for CEO of Microsoft. Uh, he woke up and he chose war. <laughs> yeah, um, in, he chose <laughs> violence. Um, in an in an uh, interview with uh, Bloomberg Television, um, he said uh, talked about uh, the the Activision uh, deal. So let me read for those who haven't had the chance to to read up on the news uh, yet. Um, what? Let me read what Satya Nadella had to say. Um, of course, any acquisition of this size will go through scrutiny. But we feel very, very confident that uh, we'll come out, he said. Microsoft is either number four or number five competitor in the video game industry, depending on how you count. So, by the way, no mention here of third place. We always said Microsoft is third place. Satya says they are number four or five, depending on how you count. And the number one player, Sony Group Corporation, has made several recent acquisitions. So if this is about competition, let us have competition. So yeah, basically he said, bring it, bitches. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, Dutch, I want to hear your thoughts before I give my uh, spiel on this. Um, yeah, Satya being straight out with, with his comment is saying, okay, guys, if you want competition, you have to allow this acquisition because then Sony is going to get competition. As of right now, we are only number four or five in the video space. So let us have competition. We are open for that. We want competition. So please allow the deal because then we will have competition. What do you think, man, of this? 
it, it I think it's great. I think it's shown that from from top down, they all they all absolutely know what they they want and they fully expect this thing to go through. Um, they also know, and for anybody who isn't aware of the way the CMA operates, if you have a look at every transaction that's ever been concerning to them, they always have very harsh wording when they're concerned about something. So when you see mm. the CMA come out and say, we've got concerns about X, Y, and Z, so we're going to do in-depth analysis, you tend to find a few months later that they've just approved it. It's like, yeah, after further considerations, we've approved the deal. Uh, <laughs> mm. And it's 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 always going to get the harsh wording initially. And again, and as Satya mentioned in that comment as well, a deal of that size is going to get scrutinized. Of course it is. It's bound to. Um, So it's going to have that, that level of in-depth kind of scrutinization. But um, at the same time, like we, Microsoft haven't essentially will have probably got the same kind of um, guarantees about, Bungie and and Destiny titles etc. Yeah. Uh, when Sony acquired Bungie, it's obviously it's not to the same degree, but at that time, um, they essentially paid what would be the market going rate for Bungie and, and Destiny, um, as Microsoft did for Minecraft, uh, which was around yeah. that two billion mark. Um, so and again, what happened with with Minecraft was that game remained multi-platform. Any new titles have been multi-platform. Um, it has an active player base, so they've kept it everywhere uh, and ensured it was going to be kept everywhere. Um, Satya, of course, again said it would be counterintuitive for us from a, a few respects, and I think even the the CFO of Microsoft has said the same thing. He said, "Why would we remove?" Call of Duty on PlayStation when it there's 120 million customers on PlayStation or potential mm-hmm. customers. Like from a financial perspective, it makes no sense to remove Call of Duty from PlayStation. Like, yeah. And that's that is literally all Microsoft have to say to the CME. Like, listen, from a financial perspective, we would lose money, significant amount of money, by taking it off PlayStation. It doesn't make sense as to why we do that. Of course, they're going to give them, and this goes back to the previous arguments as well from Jim crying um, about the <laughs> <laughs> about the the terms not being adequate. Which it's, it's which, so funny that uh, no one calls him uh, Jim Ryan anymore. You hear either I always call him be, uh, good old Chimbo, lying <laughs> Ryan, crying Ryan. Everyone crying has Ryan. its nickname, but no one calls him by his name. No, it's no it's just. It's you only ever see it as well from the competitors that are, that are at the top, and in my industry, it's exactly the same. The the leading company that is in my industry and what I do is always the one complaining about everybody else, and they always put um, legal obligations into contracts with employees and things to prevent them from um, going anywhere afterwards or speaking to anybody afterwards, etc. And it's it's always the same. It's it's counterintuitive, and it's also um, an anti-competitiveness. Um, so what what essentially Jim Jim Crying is is speaking about and being not an adequate um, deal. I mean, unless he's he's expecting because essentially what is happening is they've got a an exclusivity agreement with Call of Duty until twenty twenty four or something along those lines might have extended in in perpetuity due to. Um, Call of Duty um, having a, a delay and coming out later than expected. Um, yeah. 
So it might have extended till 25. And what Microsoft have essentially offered is an additional three years guaranteed at the moment. Um, and of course, as usual, those legal obligations will be renewed close to the time. And then you renew the contractual terms again. Um, my thinking on the terms that were offered was because Sony are so used to a very large percentage of the profits from Call of Duty going to them um, from Activision and in terms of microtransactions and game sales is that Microsoft's terms don't give them a biggest, like the bigger slice of the pie as they're used to. So from a financial aspect, it's not that the term, i.e. the three years is the problem. I think it's the level of monetal return they get from selling Call of Duty on the platform. So I don't think the concern is about the players getting to play it. Uh, I think it's solely down to how much money they're going to make from Call of Duty on PlayStation. Yeah. That's that's my um, thinking on that. Uh, on on the Saturday you bring up thing, a on... great point here. Uh, let yeah. me just uh, add, add to that. I mean, probably not in the first year or the second year, but after like four, five, six years, um, yeah. it, it, I would be surprised if if Call of Duty became or did not become less relevant on, on PlayStation um, simply for the fact that marketing rights are then with Xbox. Um, I don't know whether Xbox, I mean, yeah, they said they, they're going to launch the game with the same content on every platform. Yeah. Um, not like Sony does it today, like having launches first or betas first or DLC first or whatever. Um, but the thing is, if, if players can play it for f basically free or what feels free through Game Pass on Xbox, it just will move people over. It, it just will. Um, yeah. And you and have so, to, if yeah. you have a look at, at different markets as well, and this is what I think Satya is trying to kind of get at as well, is in terms of competition, like if Sony truly wanted competition in the market, then an IP wouldn't stand in their way. If you have a look mm -hmm. at the even going over to JRPGs now, is yeah. is Final Fantasy as relevant as it once was? No. Nope. Um, yeah. Do they have unbelievable amounts of competition these days in the likes of Persona or the Yakuza franchise or um, Astria Ascendant or God knows how many different JRPGs that are out now that are absolutely humongous? Yeah. Like the Yakuza, like the the JRPG and the RPG. Uh, genre in general has only improved over time because of competition in the market. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I think Sony once said, uh, or, or it was some—I forgot it was it was it Square Enix. Um, it was either Square or someone similar. Once what said you were that, referring it, to? Uh, I'm not. It was basically one of the developers were speaking about pitching a new JRPG to Sony, and they didn't want to know. They just didn't want to okay. to invest in it. Essentially, mm. and they were like, "It's not that JRPGs are irrelevant because, of course, look at Final Fantasy, look at X, Y, and yeah. Z. It's that they don't want to risk on a new IP. Mm. So the problem I think with Sony is that they are very hesitant to risk on investing on new IP. And this this there is the problem. You've got Apex Legend, which is massive. You've got Fortnite, which is absolutely humongous. Without doubt, the largest shooter on the market, well surpassing Call of Duty by a long shot. Yeah. Um, so in terms of competition, I mean, there is lots of competition on FPS. It, 
Xbox have it their is. own FPSs. They've got Halo. Actually, I'm, got let me let me let me read a statement from EA. Um, yeah. they they had an investor call this week, and uh, they, they actually also they said they needed to take it on. But yeah, go for yeah. it. Listen, EA said Call of Duty Xbox exclusivity would be a tremendous opportunity for Battlefield. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly. where where Sony sees a problem, others see an opportunity. Um, exactly. Yeah. Uh, to I I get the the way uh, Andrew Wilson uh, um, thinks, uh, CEO of, of EA thinks like. Um, listen, if if Call of Duty becomes this Xbox shooter, this this Xbox exclusive shooter, um. It's a chance for us to make a new IP that is multi-plat, that is the multi-platform shooter um, that people enjoy across PC, across PlayStation, across Xbox, across whatever system. Yeah, um, that's the, that's their way of thinking. So uh, it's obvious that that only Sony has something against this. And like Satya yeah. said, that's because they know. If this deal goes through, Xbox becomes a more serious competition. That's when they won't be able to start a console generation by increasing game prices, lying to their customers, charging for next-gen patches, increasing console game prices, and all these things. Like, um, I've said it uh, on Boom's show the other day. Um, it kind Recently, I, I I've been attacked a couple of times. Uh, I'm used to that. Uh, <laughs> I get attacked by fanboys all the time from, <laughs> from all sides. Uh, whenever I yeah. say something against Xbox, I get attacked. When I say something against Sony, I get attacked. I got asked a lot. Why, why do I root for Xbox? I'm not rooting for Xbox Xbox per se or Microsoft per se. I'm I'm rooting for us customers. I'm rooting for us gamers to get the best value for your buck. And right now, Xbox is providing that. They made gaming more accessible than ever before. They made it cheaper than ever before. They built the this unified ecosystem of gaming because I don't just like to game on my console. I love console gaming. It's my preferred thing to do. But sometimes I'm on the go. I'm lying. We had the conversation the other day. I'm lying in bed and then just want to play uh, handheld gaming, yeah. The X Cloud allows me to do that. Um, when I, <clears throat> I, I I'm sitting on my desk. I, I don't lie down. Want to lie down on the couch and play uh, on the console. I just can continue my game on my PC right there. It's it offers me options. All this makes the, the ecosystem right now the most welcoming, the most customer friendly, and the most yeah. cheapest ecosystem there is that's why what i'm rooting for and i want sony to follow them in that footstep i don't want I to pay 80 euros for my first party games i don't i want in ps plus day and date games because sony has an incredible first party games but i want them to do better by their customers and that's why i want them to get some serious competition and activision blizzard is that thing and it's just like satya said and that's why i'm fully behind the statement if you yeah. actually want to do something good for the consumers in general, put pressure on Sony. They need uh, they need that 
that push they need to drip and and get that kick in the ass um to to finally do something that is customer friendly this generation they of have course. done and, that and this gen i was going to say to follow on from that the, the 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 main thing i think and this is i think it's mainly from jim ryan as opposed to from sony in general i think the issue he has specifically is that the entirety of last generation they had mm. no competition from x zero competition exactly. from xbox yeah, and now the Xbox are deadly serious about gaming in general, like yeah. deadly serious. Like Satya Nadella has essentially said, we know how much like value there is in this market, and we're yeah. fully investing in it. And he said the begin when the when Phil Spencer first took over at the top, at the very top, and and Satya went on stage and said, we are all in on gaming. Yeah, that's that's when it started, and that's when Jim Ryan started having the issue because. That's when the the newest, more powerful Xbox uh, One X came out, and it was the most powerful console. And then the it's next easy. consoles come out, and they were the most powerful. And then Game Pass started to get better and better and better. And they started having issues with, oh, it's not sustainable, and trying to peddle that notion all the time. And Xbox were like, well, it is. It's like, we're not profitable on it at this moment. And that was originally. We're not profitable right now, but it's it's dead even. Like, it isn't not sustainable but it's also not profitable it's bang in the middle right now but it will be profitable and which and if it wasn't going to be and if they didn't think it was going to be they wouldn't have continued with it so they are fully looking to be competitive this gen and going forward and they see the value in what gaming does for everything to do with microsoft not just gaming um it also allows them to enhance their cloud proposition it allows them to enhance their um, technical and engineering capabilities. It allows them to... Uh, every orifice of of uh, Microsoft and Xbox are intertwined now in, in many locations and how they operate. And people from Microsoft are, are changing into roles for Xbox and Xbox are going into Microsoft to work on their products. And yeah, it's all intertwined now. And this is... It's it's real competition in and from Microsoft for a change. And that's what Sony is scared of. It's not—it's not that they have competition in general. It's the fact that Microsoft are actually are actually trying now. <laughs> yeah, and they're like exactly. We've started it, and now we don't like what we're seeing. We don't like the fact that we have actual competition or someone trying to give us competition, yeah. because then, Nintendo are on an entirely different plane. They yep. they're not one to one competition. Nintendo do Nintendo. They are absolutely leagues beyond anybody else when it comes to sales. <laughs> like yeah. no one can compete for some reason. Nintendo just do and, and yeah, and well. Nintendo just lives in their own bubble. I but the thing is with Nintendo, they have so much nostalgia. I think I feel like a lot of the things is is coming from nostalgia. Uh, yeah. People grew up with Nintendo, and now they want their kids to grow up with Nintendo. And that, especially the let's say more casual gamer. Uh, I mean, did you they, did you see the Splatoon three sales the other day? Yeah, Jesus wept. Three million sales in two days. In two days, it's insane. It's insane. Uh, <laughs> just kudos in Japan, to them. that was they just are, Japan as well. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 crazy. But kudos to them. They they over the years they consistently release quality games. They might not be a f- for you all the time 
but you can't argue about the quality of their first party games. Uh, it's... But you've also got to see in terms of competition that Nintendo have never relied on third parties to be successful. And this is where Sony don't kind of understand is because Xbox have real historically also never relied on third party titles yeah. to be successful. Yeah. It's always been Gears. And this is the trope that we've heard for years. Gears, Halo, Forza, yes. Gears, Halo, Forza, Gears. Yeah. And because that is what has driven their market, people know Gears, people know Forza, Forza yeah. people know Halo. You're going to get them as is, is, is water is wet. You're going to get those titles. <laughs> True. But they're going to expand their proposition. Nintendo are doing the same. Of course, Splatoon was never a thing on the previous generation. It is a very much a thing on on this yeah. generation of course you've got splatoon 3 or whatever it was or 2 yeah. um and which is a nice new ip and it's doing very well it's huge it's massive um but they've got lots of other new ips that they're creating lots of new titles and they just keep adding to them and zelda's only getting bigger and better and mario's changing what it does and it's just nintendo know how to how to create something new yeah. and and make it successful. And Sony also know how to do that. The problem is, is they they have yet to break into the multiplayer. They have yet to break into the, the games as a service. And I think the issue with them is they're very hesitant to, to, to or at least concerned that, okay, what if we're not successful at these things? Yeah. And that's why they're concerned, really concerned about losing or losing, losing. the advertising for... Call yeah, of Duty. Call of Duty, because right now that's their basically their big life service game, ongoing uh, game. Uh, I agree there. Um, I mean, they got the talent. They have like some of the best studios out there, and um, no other. And with publisher... Bungie, they've got all possibilities of making the next big first-person live-action shooter. But yeah. are they are they just concerned that what if it doesn't work out? Is yeah. is that the issue? What if? What if? I mean, they have like uh, they Bungie now. They own Bungie. Uh, that deal is actually already through. Uh, yeah. So uh, they have have a very robust studio there that has a lot of experience with these kind of games, and they have one of the most successful ongoing games with Destiny. It is Destiny is super successful. Um, has its uh, fan base and its player base. Uh, so, yeah, um, but I, I totally agree with you uh, in that regard. Um, and I think, like, but in general, the problem with, with Sony really isn't their first party. Um, no. We know Not they... Because they their first party is always successful, have... I think. Sometimes yeah. with their first party is they don't know when to capitalize on, on the fans asking yeah. for it and of course we've got certain games that we'd love to see come back again but they're second party games so the likes of rise of course we've said for years yeah. we want to rise too we really want to rise Ooh, too yeah obviously we're still waiting on it but it's never going to happen but that's a second party title that's a game that was developed for yeah. xbox from a second party yeah. um they've got days gone which sold eight million copies 10 million if you include <laughs> pc and they sales. weren't happy with that and they're not happy with it. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, really? Like, that's like the vast, you're apparently only happy if it does 20 million. Now, that's, it's unrealistic. Not every, and if you have a look at their actual sales records, counter to, to popular belief, 
not every Sony exclusive does 20 million sales. It's yeah. about four. About four of their titles have hit 20 million. Yeah. Um, if you have a look, including series totals, that's a different story entirely. But if you're going to do series totals on Halo or Forza or Gears, you're going to get way past 20 million as well. So it doesn't, that's not the thing. It's singular titles. Singular titles, very few have hit that 20 million mark. So it's Absolutely. an unrealistic target. It's kind of like the Square Enix to- like conversation. Every time they mention something's not successful, you're like, what? Like it is, it's as successful as Final Fantasy. I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> and, and there you see, that's the problem with with Sony right now. It's really not their first party studios. Studios like Bend, I actually really like Days Gone, yeah, and Insomniac and all these studios. They are fantastic. The problem is the management at the headquarter, Sony. How they handle the platform, how they make their pricing decisions, how they make their um, let's say service availability uh, decisions and, and stuff like that, um, and that's that's the issue. And, and you can tell that if you put like a super successful game with eight millions in the category of like, well, um, you're not successful. You can already tell that that's greedy management. And this greed is showing with the, their first party studios. It's showing with um, to to us chose to us gamers. It's it, and that's that's uh, the thing. I, I've seen a, an interesting question here in chat, uh, Dutch. I want to discuss that briefly with you. Armin Sin, Singe um, says, says I wonder what will happen to Sony Microsoft deal on cloud tech because Sony is really throwing in a in a, the wrench in Microsoft's acquisition. I bet you excess must uh, executives must be surprised by Sony's comments. Um, I don't think the cloud, because obviously they've got an Azure um, contract with Sony as well. I don't think they care. Like that, that's not going to put any hitches in that because Microsoft want money. So that's like little comments and back and to and fro's like this aren't going to disrupt that deal in any way, shape, or form. Like as long as they're getting paid and if they want a cloud tech or, or want an Azure contract, then they can have it. Um, it certainly won't be Microsoft's most lucrative cloud contract that they've got out there <laughs> yeah. so i don't think at the end of the day they'd care too much if sony decided not to do it as far as i was aware sony haven't been using the cloud tech they've been contracted with anyway um it's still underutilized they still haven't really made the most out of what cloud tech they've they've been contracted for so um yeah we haven't it, heard anything about that in a while nope. um yeah but uh, the the thing is obviously uh, companies do stuff like that. Uh, if you yeah. have like multiple business relationships and one goes down uh, the drain, um, obviously you put put other uh, uh, potential corporate, uh, collaborations or partnerships uh, in, on the table as well. But I don't feel like we're at this point. I feel like that for that the the deal would have to go a lot more. Yeah, on the crapper, uh, honestly. Uh, so when they when they are uh, fighting uh, the the, the uh, CMA or the FTC or I don't know uh, which um, uh, regulatory in court, then we, <laughs> we we are at that point maybe. But right now, I think Microsoft knew that a lot of regulatories are gonna look at this deal a lot closer than like. Yeah. A, Bethesda deal simply because of its size. 
70 billion deal that's that's something where really it doesn't matter whether it's gaming or not or any other uh, uh, um, business yeah, it's, it's one of the largest transactions or at least one of the largest mergers yeah. in history in let history. alone just tech and 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 obviously that's that the regulators are going to look at this a lot closer than with with any other acquisition so yeah um uh, that's that's i don't think the surprising part i think like what surprises everyone including the xx at microsoft is how public sony is trying to block uh, this deal uh, and it is it just shows like we said they are afraid of the competition they are gonna get but it's the competition they definitely need um in in terms so that we get we gamers get more and better value on on that platform yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think Sony just need a, you know, it, it's. I think they, and ob obviously they're concerned about losing the bottom line. But if they had faith, which in some cases I, I think shows they don't, because they uh, they still base far too much of the the company's success on on critical acclaim. Yeah. Um, I think, and this is one thing that Microsoft don't do or Xbox don't do, is yes, they, they like getting the critical acclaim, but they don't put like every success on it. Like if a game does well and gets in like mid eighties, high seventies, they'll they'll praise it, they'll celebrate it. Um the difference is over on Xbox is they don't then class it as an internal failure, much like Sony have. Um, yeah. essentially because Days Gone didn't get the critical acclaim that the execs wanted is the reason, regardless of how many sales, it didn't get a sequel. It had nothing to do with its sales figures. It was just because it was rated like 78 as opposed to like mid-80s, high-80s, like like the rest of the Sony catalog. It was it was simply down to that. And I think putting the em or keeping the emphasis on that is only restricting their own portfolio. And I think that's something Sony and PlayStation going forward for their own competition benefit need to need to pull back on. You need to stop having this this um, this mega high ceiling for every game needs to achieve absolute market dominance and critical acclaim across the board in order to be classed as a success. Yeah. Um, because then you're breeding the wrong attitude. You're breeding in terms of developers. They know if their game doesn't hit a certain critical acclaim. They've got absolutely no chance of getting another contract through unless they're yeah. essentially uh, told to develop something by Sony. And we know with um, Days Gone's developers, Sony Bend, they've essentially been giving a, a game to create for the yeah. next one, which is absurd. They, they wanted to make Days Gone too. They pitched it and they were denied. Um, so they were told to do another project. You shouldn't developers shouldn't have that, and that is that is again anti-competitive in my eyes. That is a, a form of competition in their own studios where they feel like they can't create what they want to create because they they will not get the backing unless they've achieved this beyond. Um, like it's it's ridiculous to expect every studio you have under your portfolio to be critically acclaimed. Xbox don't have that. Let's face it. Like we've got maybe two or three studios out of the current 17, 18, 23 studios they've got at the minute that are actually what we would class as being critically acclaimed. Sony, all of their studios are pretty much critically acclaimed. Sony Santa Monica, Insomnia, Naughty Dog, like their big 
AAA studios are all critically acclaimed. No. Like Microsoft don't have that approach. They're just like create experiences for everybody, no matter how big it is or how small it is, just make good games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um this this I mean this this leads to to, to entirely different conversation to be had. Uh like obviously in the end the results matter. Uh, Sony has put out consistently quality games, yeah, which is like the biggest weakness of Xbox consistency. Um, so yeah, I mean, at the end, the it 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 will show what is the better approach. Uh, like in, let's, we will we should have this conversation in like five years. Yeah, when we yeah. see can Xbox keep up the consistency of quality games with their current approach to me definitely this sounds the way to go with um because people just bring their best work when they are fully behind what they do if we, we just talked to joe solo developer passionate to the bone about his project and he'll do everything he can to make this the best game possible um, yeah. if you tell a guy like this you have to do this or that It's not going to be the same work. It's just not. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, flip side is, um, yeah, the results um, speak for themselves, and my and and Sony has put out quality games, and they do that, and we are all looking forward to God of War in, in November. And yeah, um, I mean, it's like I say, it's it's not to say that obviously, as you've said, Sony's rightfully. Yeah, all of their titles are critically acclaimed, and there's a reason for it. If you look at them, if you play them, if you've seen them, you can see quality. They all reek quality. Microsoft, on the other hand, are yes, of course, they want to have the best titles known to man, but that isn't their their biggest concern. They're just like, oh yeah, like we of course we're going to celebrate if like Forza. Horizon, as always, is in the 90s on Metacritic. Of course, we're going to celebrate that and have and shout from the rooftops that it's critically acclaimed and the best racer kind of on the market. But they're also going to celebrate the little ones that don't hit those same heights. Like that's that's where Microsoft exceed, in my opinion, is the fact that they they celebrate all developers for all of their achievements, whether it's releasing their first game, whether it's releasing the first indie title, whether it's a small, yeah. little, medium, large, whether it's critically acclaimed or whether it's in the 70s, they'll celebrate everything to lift everybody up. Sony don't do that. They only lift up the ones that do well. And if they don't do well, you never hear from them again. Exactly. Yeah, I I, I fully agree there, man. Um, Listen, a good talk, but there are a couple of other things I want to... Yes. Briefly talk with you about Halo Infinite. Uh, last week we had the uh, the announcement Bonnie Ross uh, is leaving. Uh, statement was put out. It, it's uh, family issues. Uh, she actually wanted to leave after the launch of season three, uh, but something happened with the family. Now we've learned um, that actually, well, uh, we don't know, and we wish her family uh, health issues uh, all the best. We've learned that. Yeah, well, her, her leaving wasn't as voluntarily as it looked initially. Uh, apparently, um, she was going to let go. The final uh, straw or, or 
how do you say that in English? What's a good phrasing? Um, to, to, yeah, I think to it was, it was the final draw. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is is uh, or was uh, the delay of season three? Um, and also the head of uh, the engine, the Slipspace engine, left uh, three for three. So obviously they're gonna do some uh, doing some restructuring there. And I briefly want to hear your thoughts, man, um, on this. Uh, what, what, what do you think? Um, yeah. So overall, good. of course, of course, I hope everybody in the in the Ross family is okay. Hope everything goes well for them. Of course, you never wish ill health on anybody, um, regardless of the situation. Whether or not the game's going well or not, you don't wish ill health on anybody or their family. Yeah. Um, so fingers crossed, everything is okay, and, and that that resolves soon and, and health's back to normal sooner rather than later. Um, but on a purely professional level and people have to just dis- kind of disconnect the two for a moment on a purely professional level, the game has not performed and nor has it lived up to the, the rightful expectations of being the major franchise that started Xbox. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, this is the poster game that actually started the entire company. If it wasn't for Halo in the first place, with Bungie coming to Xbox and getting that game launched with the console, Xbox wouldn't be where it was today. Absolutely. So to see the state of the game now, and we have to be frank, we're not saying the game plays terrible because it doesn't. It is probably one of the best Halo, from a gameplay perspective, it plays probably the best than any Halo has ever played, which is great. That's one achievement, but there is no content. There is zero. The problem is, is there is no. You can't launch a live service Halo game with zero content, and then continuously delay the content, and then then like expect two maps to in the first year for a live service and then two game. Two maps in the second. Yeah, like we know, there's only two maps coming over the over the next six months, yeah. and then another maybe two another maybe two at the tail end of next year. Like that isn't enough. and this is where execs like xbox execs will be will have rightfully seen and just said listen like this is we know we said it's a 10-year plan but Mm. two maps in in six months and then another two maps and they see how the the community actually talks about x uh, uh, halo like yeah it's literally their their mascot is is master chief yeah they printed the chief on on every box of Xbox. Uh, We've got a and, really successful TV show on HBO now. Yeah. And, and the, the most valuable thing you can have is, is an IP, is a, is a brand name, and Halo has that, and they are jeopardizing that. And so, um, yeah, it only makes sense to pull the plug. I've seen also a lot of people defending it, and I've I've been very vocal about me wanting management change uh, there i always say we have to on a professional level we have to disconnect ourselves from yeah those there are creative and great minds in those positions but at the end they are managers they get the management salary and with that comes the management responsibility and that is their responsibility to make the product to the best it can be they yeah. obviously did not do that, and um, 
So I just need then, to briefly change the gameplay. Uh, that's all right. right. I was going to say on another perspective as well, from the other angle, the the lead um, engineer for the engine leaving yeah. as well. Um, I would also say there's probably a good reason for that. The engine is notoriously difficult to work with. And we've heard that from developers. It isn't the easiest. It is literally an engine designed specifically for Halo, which means that yeah. if you want to do anything that Halo has never done before, it's notoriously difficult to try and implement it. And then coupled with the fact that they announced that split screen has been scrapped and are now only on online co-op is just bonkers. Like the one thing Bonnie Ross said on stage is that Oh, split screen, and she said that on stage, split screen has been a hallmark of our games from the start, and we want to ensure that that is going to be in going forward. Dude. And then you look at the Digital Foundry video, how well it actually runs right now, uh, and they're yeah. just not releasing it. So honestly, yeah. I think we've touched on Halo many times. I want to say one thing. Um, yeah. I was always surprised about them going out like we have this 10-year plan for halo infinite and was like dude look at that game I, I mean just from a visual perspective if we talk 10 years we are talking like next generation yeah. and i mean xbox series 2 playstation 6 this gen kind of generation that's when we talk about 10 years and not launch of that but well into that yeah and and i was always of the thought this is not going to happen we're not going to see halo uh, infinite for 10 years um, yeah. we will have eventually a halo infinite 2 just like we had with destiny yeah that eventually just made a new game um and <clears throat> yeah and now we it, it looks to me like this is coming rather sooner than later eventually they just probably gonna drop the live service approach uh and then uh, just make a new one. Uh, the good ADL. news that came out the back of it was that they got um, Pierre Heinz um, over from the MCC team. And mm -hmm. of course, Pierre yeah. Heinz was responsible for getting MCC to where it is now, which is essentially where it should have been at launch. Um, <laughs> so if there's, if there's a guy that has got experience at resolving a problem that shouldn't have been there in the first place and making it great, which if you play MCC now, it has got an abundance of content. Yes. It runs flawlessly. It's a it's a brilliant, true it's collection a, it's a of it games. Is, yeah. Um it wouldn't have been that state if it wasn't for for Pierre Heinz and his direction. So um I my confidence in this getting restored has increased slightly now he's in charge because he has experience on resolving um content issues um and performance issues. So um fingers crossed that change and of course the one thing we did notice from sarah bond leaving not sarah bond uh bunny ross i keep bunny getting ross, yeah. the wrong way around <laughs> um sarah bond still fine she's good um <laughs> no bunny yeah. ross leaving was that her role was split into three roles upon her leaving yeah. um which is the only thing that i would say shows how much she i don't know whether or not it was voluntarily or involuntarily how many roles she'd taken on um but upon her leaving there were three roles essentially split off to so you've got head of marketing head of uh, this guy and and then of course studio head which is pierre heinz um so hopefully 
Um, that leads into something getting done sooner rather than later. Um, I said this the other month when they started unveiling Forge, and I said it again, but Forge looks like it could be the temporary saviour for that game if they act on it correctly until yes. the content starts coming. And I, I say act on it correctly because if you have a look at the maps that the Forge creators have said, uh, have created, which are all of the essentially all of the historical Halo maps in the new engine, which is phenomenal. That's exactly what people wanted. So they've created these from scratch and they're ready to go. Um, the Halo Infinite team have said, we're going to put these into regular cycle, not just into Thingaby. So if they're going to do that, that could resolve a temporary content issue until actual content comes out with new maps. But they have to act on it correctly, and that is the key thing. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I feel like this is only gonna be really temporarily spike gonna spike player uh, numbers. Like, 100%. I mean, I you will have a couple of diehard Halo fans go in once once it launches and, and play a couple of rounds, and and it's gonna be awesome, no doubt. But then. Um, to keep them in there and keep them engaged with the game when in parallel you have all the madness of 2023 coming at you. Uh, yeah. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And so I wonder if they're going to take the really the, the high road and say, okay, Halo Infinite, our 10-year live service game, it wasn't it. Let's go back to the drawing board and we'll see you guys in four to five years. We're going to come out with the next Halo. And that's when we get it right. I honestly, I feel like I would prefer that approach rather than them investing more and more and more resources trying to fix um, whatever is going wrong over there right now. Just take the time, go back to the drawing board, restructure the studio, and then and then be. Well, it's yeah, it's, it's not. I was going to say it's not only that as well. If you have like as a as a as a as an online shooter that is meant to be live service. If you've had a look at this, this store, and of course it's built on microtransactions, you've got to think about that. Even from a cosmetic perspective, the store is absolutely empty. And they keep asking people, well, what would you add to, what would you like to say on the storefront? I'm like, I'd like to see any content on the storefront. Mm. There is no skins. There is nothing. nothing. Like to put like a yeah. skin in one, like one skin it's... every couple of days. But they don't have like an actual catalog of things you can go in and, and purchase. And for it is crazy, man. It's, it's wild crazy. for a, for a for a shooter like that. You have a look at Call of Duty. You have a look at Apex. You have a look at any shooter, and they've got reams upon man. reams upon reams of exactly. There are enough guys. blueprints out there where you can look how you do live service game in twenty twenty two. We've said it before about Sea of Thieves. Look at all yes. of the content. And they, they could have learned from that for the launch. But man, I didn't want to spend that much time yeah. actually on it because <laughs> I have a couple of other things uh, before we move to the community questions. Yes. Um, and one is being Splinter Cell. Um, we had yeah. some Splinter Cell news today. Yeah. So I, I have, honestly, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure how to feel about this. So for those who haven't, haven't heard it, um, we, we all know the Splinter Cell first one is going to get a remake from Ubisoft. And we haven't really seen much of the game, uh, but today we learned that the game will update the game story for modern 
audience. So the upcoming Splinter Cell remake will include a rewritten, rewritten story in order to appeal to a new generation of players. That's what Ubisoft announced. Man, what do you think? Uh, I've honestly, I I'm not sure if any remake has ever done something like that. I know you could bring up Final Fantasy VII. It was like kind of a rewrite of the story, but it it was like they didn't change the core story. They just changed, like expanded on it, expanded a little bit on it um, to make it not one game but two or three. But it's really not rewritten per se. Yeah. So I, I I'm I'm not sure if this has ever been done. Um, like it's, it's, it's it now sounds more like a reboot than a remake exactly <laughs> exactly um, um so yeah it's uh, the one person i thought of straight away when i read that was with was shom <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> he's like please don't mess it up please don't mess it up please don't mess it up and now i'm reading it and i'm thinking oh no no don't rewrite it just like just leave the story and just remake remake the game but leave the story alone if it does well then write your own story and worry about that on the next one just just make a remake of the game <laughs> yeah so yeah now agree. where i wasn't concerned i am now concerned <laughs> i'm like oh no please don't don't mess with the original right there with you right there with you um it's it's i mean if you i don't know exactly what they mean by that um and they didn't specify it but yeah please if we all wanted a, a splinter cell new game yeah now the only thing we get is is a remake of one of the all-time greats and, and and they are now messing with it so yeah we shall see we shall see xbox got some major platform changes this week and this it was really, really weird because it was kind of like stealth dropped. It's no nobody talked about it. Nobody there were there were basically zero articles. The only one I found um, was from a good friend of the show, Chess Corden. Um, shout out to him over at Windows Central. Other than that, nobody picked up on this. Um, Xbox has released the RM changes. The community had a massive outcry, if you remember, like the big outage of Xbox Live in, what was it, February or March or something, where where Xbox Live went down in certain regions for multiple days and people weren't able to access their games. A lot of articles were written about that. Yeah. Uh, and how they still haven't fixed their DRM system. And now they actually do. Um, they have changed their DRM system. Uh, they have... You can now play um, your own games offline. So when you own a game and you've signed it in, signed your account in into an, an Xbox, um, you can actually play it offline um, without the console needing to sign into Xbox Live. So what do you think, man? Uh, why is it that nobody talks about this? And um, because I feel like this is massive. This is a fundamental yeah, thing to the xbox platform that a lot of people complained for years they've changed and fixed it yeah it's 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 huge actually and 
It's it's as if they didn't want to make a big deal out of it, mm. <laughs> which is yeah, weird. It kind of feels because like one that. of the things that like if you have a look, remember that page that was all over Twitter. I had to get rid of them eventually because it, they just harped on about it every day, and I was like, it, it isn't as big a deal. I understand why people want it. Of course, any digital customers, it doesn't affect you whatsoever. Like this change makes no difference to any digital customer because, of course, your digital games are always going to have DRM. Um, this specifically um, evolves, involves physical owners. So if you've got a Series X, for instance, then, of course, yeah. this is what this is going to affect you and your physical games library. But if you've got any physical games that you've, you've played previously that you want to play on the console, um, and, of course, previously, essentially, if you didn't have online, you couldn't play them because it would do, try to do yeah. a DRM. Um, now... For they've said for the vast majority, of course, not all of them yet. They might have a few issues to iron out, yeah. but the vast majority of games won't DRM check now, um, which goes into then the um, um, essentially the collectors. Anyone who is a collector and wants to to retain the use of their games well beyond the life cycle of the console, etc., they've removed the issues surrounding DRM checks on physical copies, which is awesome. For the vast majority, of course, you're going to online games will require DRM. Um, I the likes of Elder Scrolls Online or Fortnite or something. Of course, like if if you've got a physical disc for them, it will have to have an online segment. Um, so it will have DRM checks. But any offline games, any single player games like your Tomb Raiders from previous generations or Sunset Overdrive or something like that, um, DRM checks are no more. Um, for the for the most part, it's a massive deal, massive because again, it's for people who really wanted to preserve um, previous generations or preserve games, etc. This is a win for them, a massive win for them. Um, I, I feel like it's only... also a massive win for for every other game. So, like, I really when when I go back to 2013, when the first time this conversation came up, I actually am probably one of the few people that thought like this was a good idea. Yeah. Just wasn't the time yet because if you if you look like six seven years later we have actually everything that they announced with the Xbox One the original uh, plans uh, in terms of digital distribution and stuff uh, just without the TV 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 stuff um, but um, I have no problem with my be devices being online all the time every device <laughs> my, my devices is online yeah. all the time but The thing is, uh, these short, these outages, um, these service outages, is really the thing to consider here. And I, yeah. I, uh, I was affected by this uh, as well, and it really sucked. For I couldn't play certain games for like two days. I own them. I paid money for them, and I, uh, gaming is my recreational activity of choice. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, just sucks when you can't play it just because xbox live is offline so yeah i feel like this is a big deal and i know others have even more issues where they have unstable internet availability uh where xbox live doesn't run as, as stable as it does here in germany um so <clears throat> yeah uh and even and even the little things you've got to think of as well like if someone's moving house for instance and the network's yeah. not going to be on for a week or something exactly exactly i've had that problem i changed internet providers and i was offline in my house for a month 
and Oof. all I had was mobile. <laughs> uh, oh, like, I could not imagine that. <laughs> yeah, it was like three, three, four years ago, and and all I had was mobile, so you could do with the hotspots. But you, at that time, we had hard data limits here in Germany. Like I had, I, I think it was like, I don't remember exactly, but like two gigs or so a month of right. data. So screw that you weren't able to game uh or update yeah. or do anything on the console honestly so no and uh, it's it's a good thing i i applaud my microsoft for, for changing that listening and, and taking the feedback i just wonder why no one talks about it it's just yeah it's so weird. Just weird it's like it's like such a eh, yeah we'll remove drm yeah they're yeah. like really not making a big deal of it it's just as if it's just another update yeah, it's a big exactly. update, but I think they're not taking the plaudits on it. But at the same time, I think they also don't... And you've got to think from devil's advocate as well. They don't want to make a big deal out of it because people will be like, well, you should have done this ages ago anyway. So I think that maybe he's playing devil's yeah, advocate and be. just went... Yeah, yeah. Just cool. like, just release it. Not not talk, not make a big deal out of it, even though we know it's a big thing. Because people, if we do shout about it from the rooftops, people are going to say, yeah. well, you should have done that in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So that could yeah. be, that could yeah. be, yeah, man. Um, good stuff here. Good stuff here. A couple of other things happened uh, in in gaming. Uh, I think, but but uh, we are already two hours into the show, so I want to just briefly touch upon the GeForce RTX 40 series was announced this week. And I know yes. most of the people here in chat are probably console gamers so am i i'm mainly a console gamer um but it's still interesting to look at what is happening in technology and what's going on on pc and um some obviously play also on pc so i I also want to discuss it here um so did you have a chance to look at the series card uh, 40 cards I, i did yeah i did and i've i've Again, I've, I've ranted about it, and I will continue to rant about these things till the cows come home. Um, I feel the card iterations now are at a stage where they need to be pushing them out further mm-hmm. um, between their releases. Um, and even we've Joe, I think it was, I don't know whether or not this was on the show before it, but um, I think it was before it in the green room, you mentioned the, the Series 40 cards, and, and he said exactly what I've been saying. Developers are not getting the most out of the current cards, let alone the new cards. Um, they're not even close to reaching the potential on the 30 series yet. Um, so yeah. to release these now, which are two to four times better than the previous ones, yes, that's great. Fantastic that it's two to four times better and more powerful. But if we're not using yeah. the cards that we've already got to their potential, uh, what's yeah, the point? Exactly. <laughs> And it's a, it's a good it's a it's a good point um, to be had. I mean, I I'm never pro holding technology back when the technology is available. Bring it out. That's what's pushing technology forwards. I like that. But I get your point. Um, yeah. I mean, games I think are what developed. We, what we have to think of as well, specifically if you have a look at the the way both AMD and Nvidia cards have been on release of just this console generation as well, is that some of the tools for these cards have not been available at launch and they've been months later. So why don't they take a step back, get all of the tools, all of the additional things like FSR2 and DLSS2 and 
all of these fancy other tools and equipment you can use with these cards absolutely ready. So then when they do launch, everything is good to go and they don't have this massive well, to delay. to be fair, NVIDIA didn't have the same issues like uh, AMD had. I feel like the tool thing was mainly an AMD thing. Uh, NVIDIA, um, they launched with the 30 series DLSS 2 and it ran day one uh, with great support of games. And uh, so I feel but like... Then that, you have a look at the likes of ray tracing, etc., which took several iterations yeah, to get ready. True. True. And that's the thing. Uh, that is a perfect example for, for market adoption. I mean, if we look that still like 80% plus um, of the of the Steam players play on on real small laptops, no GeForce RTX cards. So there's I mean, really not no... That long ago, not that long ago, the vast majority of Steam users were still on 1060s or lower. Yes, exactly. Uh, and so it's to me, it's not really surprising that technologies like a um, like ray tracing and take so long to adapt and optimize. Like we always say, like ray tracing is so expensive in terms of, of um, computational resources right now. Yes, it is because it is a niche technology. Yeah, and that's actually why I was so excited when the the current gen consoles launched um, because with that hardware that is capable of supporting hardware accelerated ray tracing is now a mass consumer product that will grant developers bigger budgets to develop these kind of algorithms and stuff and optimize them so i feel like that's the thing uh, here uh with ray tracing um getting yeah now to a point where it's more or less standard and and i feel like that we will see a lot more of ray tracing and its capabilities. Forza Motorsport is a, is a great example at 60 FPS ray tracing in game on track. So yeah, um, yeah. Other than that, I was really surprised about two things. Dutch. The first yeah. is Nvidia is getting kind of confusing with their card lines because now we used to have like. 1060, 1070, 1080, and you knew exactly what you got. Now we have multiple versions of the 4080 with one with 12 gigabytes, one with 16 gigabytes, and we have the version with the 16 gigabytes, but with a with a slower, um, uh, a smaller bandwidth, and and so on. Yeah. And so, average Joe goes into in, into 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 the um, uh, PC shop and wants to buy this shiny new graphics card because he wants to play Fortnite <laughs> on his 4080 and um and he doesn't know what he's getting um i've i've seen a couple of people actually complain about that and i'm fully with them um it's it's weird to me like why make these different iterations yeah the other thing is we see DLSS 3 and DLSS Exclusive to 40 cards. Yes, exclusive to 40 cards. Well, they said, in theory, it can run on the 30 cards, uh, but they are not sure if they're going to do the work and bring it to the 30 cards yet. So um, they are not going to happen, if you ask me. Anyway, DLSS 3 looks absolutely amazing. And I feel like um, this is one of the things that when we talk about console game, I mean, now... 
and we are getting into that phase where we well well in one or two years we will see the enhanced models and uh, I am 100% sure we will see enhanced model models this gen and if I see how far AI AI based um, upscaling technologies have gotten with DLSS 3 I wonder if AMD will adopt to that because it's it's there is a significant I know FSR is a thing and FSR is, is a great thing to to be have but it's it's just not the same it, it just isn't and Nvidia took it to an, the next level and we also have seen the per general performance increase like 2.5 times uh, compared to the 30 series uh, on, on certain cards this is insane where we are from a computational level here and I know we always talk about it um, even the current gen games haven't utilized all the tools and all the power available just yet but when yeah. i look at where we already are right now uh the rdx 40 series coming this year we we, we we've seen the sen 4 cpus yeah just to a reminder we have sen 2 cpus in our consoles um are coming this year and their performance it's, it's insane the delta that we already have two years into the generation I don't see that we get this gen like an, another eight years before we get a hardware upgrade. We will see these iterations, these enhanced consoles again. Um, I've no doubt. This is, these are the things I took away from this RTX 40 reveal. I'm, I'm not going to upgrade. I have a 3080. I built my PC last year and I expect yeah. my 3080 uh, to be good enough to run games at 4K and 60 FPS for another couple of years. So yeah, yeah. That's um, yeah. the the only other news relating to Nvidia over the last couple of weeks, which a lot of people might have missed, was um, EVGA, which is one of the um, companies that worked with them to make alternate models or enhanced models, um, performance boosted versions of their graphics cards. Um, have severed ties with Nvidia um, following the. Um, the completion essentially of all of their 30 series product lines um, yeah. due to unfair um, um, or should we say um, bad treatment from in, from NVIDIA on AVGA, um, which is massive for them. That's a huge deal because in AVGA were probably one of the, the larger um, resellers um, and enhancers of their cards. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's, it's it's crazy to see that happen. So there's obviously something. There's no doubt Nvidia create great graphics cards, but EVGA yeah. were the vast majority of the market. From what I noticed, a lot of people preferred the EVGA cards because they were boosted. They get extra performance out of them. They were higher clocks. They were done professionally. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's going to be weird to see how this. It's going to be an interesting market, and and Intel is pushing into that market, and. Yeah. You see, on the console side of things, these days there's really no option, other option for Sony or Microsoft to to go with uh, than rather than AMD because they are the only ones that offer these highly integrated um, APUs where you combine CPU yeah. and GPU on 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 the same clock. Um, the thing is, um, I know I know Nintendo did it differently. Uh, yeah, well and see where it's gotten us uh, in terms of hardware power. Um, 
so yeah, there's at the moment really no other option because NVIDIA does not offer CPUs. You can't get an APU from uh, f- like you can from AMD. Now, with Intel pushing heavily into the GPU market, I know they have had these like onboard GPUs for years now. They've announced their uh, state-of-the-art GPU line. They've shown XESS, which is their version of DLSS, and it is magnificent. It, it's a similar technology. It's also using dedicated tensor cores. They just call it differently. Um, yeah. But it's the same technology. They use tensors to to um, uh, hardware accelerate the AI that uses uh, is used for the upscaling. So they are pushing into into com- the competitive market with the RTX series of NVIDIA. And they have the CPUs. So I wonder, I truly wonder if Sony or Microsoft are currently heavily looking into this. Is there an option to get like a shift from AMD towards Intel, uh, an Intel-based uh, GPU and APU, in order to get actually the um, yeah the technology of of hardware accelerated AI upscaling. Um, so yeah, we shall see. Um, but that's something that is stuck in my mind. Like uh, we, we we have now at least the potential to have competition on the APU side of things. Yeah. Well, okay. We Time will tell. We shall see. Time will tell. Uh, and I would be surprised if we didn't hear anything about enhanced consoles uh, by the end of next year, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So. We shall see. We shall see. All right. Um, but, man, a little over two hours already. And I want to read uh, uh, quickly a couple of community questions. All right, there we go. Um, I don't want to keep everyone too long, but we've got a couple of good ones, like we always do. Walla Weasel writes in and asks, nothing better than a true bromance. What do you guys like most about your co-host? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're pretty much both on the same wavelength. We're very, yeah. not only technically minded, but we do a lot of a lot of research, have a lot of in-depth discussions um, I think it's just both on the same kind of wavelength when we're talking about discussions, which is why we can have these good back and forths. Um, yeah. Personally, I think it's because we're both very, I think, like to educate ourselves correctly on everything we speak about <laughs> and have be able to have educated discussions. So I think that's that's the best thing, I think, about having Bucky as a co-host is I know I'm going to have the same level discussion. Yeah. True. That's, yeah. That's definitely something. I mean, um, I have to say I I can always rely on that. She's uh, not just for coming here, but like I, I got a question, I got something I can always ask him. We've just became good friends uh, over the years now, and um, I can always rely to get his honest opinion. Uh, I I know when I get his opinion, I get what truly thinks. Uh, you don't get that always when when you work with other creators um sometimes you have the feeling like okay um you attend to your audience and i don't get the feeling from from dutch so um yeah 
he's an honest uh guy uh someone very reliable and i i love just love talking to him and so i'm i'm truly honored to have him as a co-host here um yeah good okay. question Waller weasel bromance true bromance here uh siki <laughs> writes and he actually writes in two questions um Uh, Rockstar usually releases a teaser a couple of years ahead of release, but since GTA 6 leaked, do you think the game announcement and release will have a small window? Nah. I don't think this has affected Rockstar in the slightest in the end. Originally, I thought that they would have delayed it, but judging by their statement, <laughs> yes. it hasn't made an absolute dent into what they're planning on doing with that game, so... Hats off to Rockstar for for, for holding steady. Um, but absolutely, no, no. I think it's it's still going to be this. It's you're still going to be years away from seeing it. I still say 26 movies, um, 2026 when when the game comes out. I don't know. 26 sounds like really far along, especially given that GTA 5 was a 2030 title. But you have a think on on how like how long it takes them to release a game between the releases of other games so ah well but still even even if we look at red dead redemption 2 which came out let's say 2018 yeah i think so yeah so Four years ago. yeah yeah i mean yeah could be 26 26 i feel like we are more talking here 24 25 in that region but yeah um I, it's still pretty far along. Um, we will be playing a lot of other games before we will play that. Um, yeah, but I agree. I don't think that it's uh, it's gonna it, it did affect them eventually in in the development plan or marketing plan. Um, so yeah, um, if anything, it's it's helped them because it's got people talking about it, despite them not actually doing any advertising themselves. Oh, yeah. Yes, it leaked, but it give like a lot of people were like, "Oh, it's definitely set in Vice City now." So everyone knows it's set in Vice City, so they're hyped that it's in Vice City again. And then they know that there's two characters there now, so they know it's about these two characters. But then you've also seen that the the character models are also much better than they were in GTA V, so you know they've improved the character models. You've had a look at some of the weapons. Again, it was pre-alpha footage, group. super early. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's in any way, shape, or form representative of in nope. how the game is gonna look. Nope. Not even close. No. And I think that might be the only thing where where this leak really has affected them. It's like they're gonna put an extra focus on polishing up graphics before they show something official. Yeah. So that when they show it, it's gonna be mind blowing. Like, and you have to all you close have to, to do photorealism, mind blowing. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say you just have to take Red Dead Redemption as a as a as an example of what they can achieve when they put their graphical fidelity to the forefront. Like that exactly. is still Red Dead Redemption Two is still one of the most impressive games to look at, bar none, when it comes to volumetric lighting, fog, when it comes to the um, deformation of the soil in the and the snow and everything that went into the weather effect. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. And it was under yeah. the limitation of the last-gen yeah. CPUs, yeah? So, um, yeah, I agree. I agree, man. Um, Bavari90 writes in, 
not to bash 343, but just for fun, which Xbox studio could make a Halo game that makes everyone of the community happy in your opinion? I have my pick, but I want to hear yours first. Uh, no, I'll, I'll go for yours first. I'm I'm still All sitting right. on this. I'm saying it, Tech. Um, it 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 software uh, is is just an amazing studio that knows how to do shooters. Uh, they have made over the years tremendous single player and multiplayer shooters. Uh, Quake, super fast paced arena based shooter. We have Doom, um, amazing um, shooting mechanics, amazing graphics. Give. If 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 you take it away from three four three, give it to it, uh, make it in it engine, and and it's gonna be mind blowing. Uh, I would probably haven't. I was just thinking through all the studios there, and I was thinking maybe one of the Call of Duty guys. Mm. But oh, push comes to shove. I think id Tech does take the crown more, thinking along the lines of Quake than I am Doom. Um, I think the Wake, especially when you think of the likes of Quake Arena um, yeah. and things like that. Quake Arena. Um, and obviously, Halo is in some respects, specifically online and arena shooter, um, <laughs> as it were. Um, it's very small maps, 2v2s or 4v4s. Um, yes, you've got big team battles, etc. And of course, you can quite easily do big team battle maps as well using that same engine. Um, yeah, I would probably say... It would be id Tech's first choice if id Tech couldn't, for some apparent reason, that it would be um, one of the Call of Duty devs. Um, mm. Wouldn't be it? Wouldn't be Activision Direct. Um, I've forgotten the the other studio that does it. Um, one of the sub studios. Yeah, like Raven or um, Sledgehammer. So yeah, yeah, maybe Sled, maybe maybe Sledgehammer. Um, if it push comes to shove. Um, as the second, the, the runner-up, should we say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and it's fun to speculate. Uh, machine Games comes up. Um, yeah, well, they've done fantastic single-player shooters. Um, Xbox has one thing for sure, options. They yeah. have options now. Which tech to use, which... Um, uh, which studios to to let run which IP, uh, but I don't think they're gonna take away three for three from Halo. I think they will stick with that studio. Yep. They are gonna significantly going to restructure it. All right, man. Um, but that's it for today. I um, great conversations we had. Joe on lead developer, solo developer of of. Song of Iron and the recently announced Song of Iron 2. That was about the first hour of the show. Uh, if you later want to go back, uh, listen to it. Um, it's uh, going to be... It, it was a fantastic chat we had with Joe. Uh, and then Dutch, it's always a blast to chat with you. Um, so thanks for coming on here today. And thanks everyone in chat for tuning up. Uh, being active in chat and of course a super special thanks to all the super chats really helps a lot to hear uh, the support um, having big plans with the channel by the end uh, of the year so uh, that support really helps there and I'm try also trying to get back to doing more edited videos uh, just work has been crazy lately so 
Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm definitely want to go back to doing more edited videos again. So, but as of right now, I want to say again a big thank you. Dutch, let everyone know what you've come up uh, in, in the next couple of days. Yeah, certainly, certainly. So, of course, you can find me everywhere at Wondering Dutch, uh, YouTube at Wondering Dutch. Um, on the on Sunday, of course, we've got the weekend edition of the Midweek Mix-Up with myself and General C. Um, and uh, next week, um, of course, with ourselves, um, Boxenberger, myself, and the rest of the crew, we have uh, the founder and uh, and one of the... Um, the develop, lead developers, of course, um, of Metal Health Singer David Goldforb um, on the show as well to talk about Metal Health Singer, its creation. Um, I'm going to ask some questions. I want to ask about and how they got in contact with all of these awesome metal artists and worked with them in the first place. Um, so that's going to be awesome. Um, and in the coming weeks as well, we're going to have. Um, uh, and this is a kind of first for World of Gaming to, to kind of shout this out because I haven't spoken to anybody about it, but back in touch with Delilah Studios who will be coming on to discuss their um, awesome announcement, of course, the other week that they've got their first Disney IP doing Disney Illusion Land um, on the Nintendo Switch and PC. Uh, of course, discussing that and what that means for them. Of course, Delilah, infamously, um, we're one of the studios that, of course, brought back um Battletoads. the uh, battle towards ip um yeah. out out of its deaths <laughs> um did a great job with it as well so really hyped for them as a studio great to kind of ask them about that as well so another two dev um interviews coming up from us so that's going to be awesome absolutely absolutely and in case someone doesn't follow you just click in the description you can find a link to the youtube channel twitter and so on everything there um same goes of course again for song of iron um it's all there at your convenience guys um i want to say again a big thank you for tuning in here today i had a blast it was a fantastic show and i see you guys next week and don't forget to game on <laughs>